Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 245. I'm Dave and I'm here with Richard. Rich, how are you going? Hello, hello, hello. Back again, back on the block. Um, big episode uh, this time around. We are doing, remind me, Richard, what we are covering again, because I've completely forgotten what it was. What, for the trade? Yeah. What was the trade? Yeah, like? it was Hercules. Oh, right. You know why I forgot that? Because I read it all so early in the week. Yeah, that's right. It is Hercules, and, and I read the complete collection, Volume 1. So I read the whole thing, because I, I got started so so early this week. I, I started reading it on, like, the I think the Sunday night, and I finished it by the Monday night, because I was like, I knew that there was a lot of cricket coming up this week, so I knew I had to get my skates on. So I did, and I was, I was actually pretty proud of myself. It's, I think it's my earliest ever finish of a trade in the history of Signal of Doom. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, endorsement of the. Oh yeah, it's a, material. it's a page, it's a page turner, it's a page turner. Um, yeah, and I do want to say, as well as doing Incredible Hercules today, this morning, Adam and myself, Adam the computer, and I did a Dread or Dead, and we did the Judge Judge Child Saga, um, or Judge Child Quest, and I'm going to be putting that up tomorrow, same time as this. So, any Signal listeners, if you're interested. In checking out two gods of the game, go at it about Judge Dread. Um, check out Dread or Dead uh, because that episode will be com- will be online tomorrow along with this. Um, yeah, and that was a blast, man. Have you have you read the Judge Child Quest ever? Yes, it's a classic, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Like, I'm a... pretty sure we actually did it as one of your really? picks. Really? You... On, wow. Uh, Signal. Yeah. Well, I, as always, my memory fails me. But um, you know, I mean, really, did we? We, yeah. didn't, didn't we do Cursed Earth? Or maybe that was... No, memorable. no, we did The, the Child because... Um, okay. Uh, he en- the, the Child uh, does something wrong or something and he ends up basically... Abandoning him. Yeah, ex- like exiling him or, or leaving him out there and basically coming back and saying, no, I didn't find him. Fantastic memory, Rich, is all I can say. Because I, I mean, I, I obviously had read it before... Well, in this podcast, I say, I haven't read this in 10 years, 15 years. <laughs> or like 15 months. 15 months and absolutely no memory of it. But um, what I did know um, was well, I... But, that, but that's a good excuse to keep reading it then. I, I, I loved it. I, I, I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. Now, when I read it, I have a memory of Dread executing the child. And yeah, yeah, for some reason you do, yes. No, because you know what it is? It's in a sequel story, he does. Mm-hmm. So there's a sequel story to it, which I've read many years, decades ago. Like, I mean, 30 years ago, I read it. And you sure about that? Yeah, there's a sequel story where he... Ex- no, I mean, are you ex- sure about the time frame in which you've well, roughly, read it? Yeah, roughly, roughly. <laughs> uh, it's a sequel story. I, I don't remember much about the story. Other than I have a memory of him executing the child, which doesn't happen in the first one. He exiles him. And I do recall there's a sequel uh, epic called City of the Damned, which I always really liked, which is kind of like a spin-off story uh, about it, where Anderson and Dredd go to 2120, which is the year 
that the um, PSI judge, the precog, um, prophesies the disaster happening, and they go in a time machine to that year um, and deal yeah. with the problem. So, yeah, so that's a good story. Now, so, I mean, my memory didn't completely fail me because I was doing a bit of research for the show, and I found that he did execute him. I was like, I'm, I, I knew that. I had a memory. You know when you've read something once and it sticks in your mind, the scene? And then, you know, internet's telling you, no, he didn't. Richard's like, no, he didn't. And I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, I know I'm right. Somewhere, somewhere in the history of dread. And, uh, well, I mean, if you're going to yeah. broaden it, yes. Yeah, you're I'm broadening right, it right out. I'm I mean, broadening it right out, but, yeah. But if you're talking about the actual story that no. we read, no. <laughs> well, yes, okay, I agree with that. Now, some sad news for business. George Perez was diagnosed with cancer, uh, expected to only have six or 12 months to live. Um Obviously, our thoughts and love go out to him and his family, Rich. Very sad news. Yeah, it's always terrible when you get this kind of news. Yep. There's never a good time to get pancreatic cancer. And, um, I mean, the guy's alleged he bowed out, I want to say, of the industry, what, he retired about a year and a half ago due to diabetes complications and he's lost sight in one of his eyes. You know, it's like, okay, let the, let the, let the guy have a, have a rest. He's done enough, you know? Um, very sad to hear. And sounds like a real giver of a guy, even in his announcement. Uh, very selfless for a guy who's accomplished so much, you know. Um, no, I, I met him at a convention. He was a lovely guy. I was there. Well, if it's the convention you're talking about, you got him to do a Green Lantern for you, if I recall. Um, got a photo with him and everything. Yeah, no, lovely guy. Lovely. You were, guy. you were loving it. You were, you were, a, you were a hot, you know, pig in hog heaven that day. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I, you're, you're the writer guy. I'm, I'm more the artist guy. I, I believe that was the that was the con where I got Chris Claremont's signature on something or other, and I believe Chris Claremont and George Perez were almost like you know um, signing together, if I recall. Because um, I remember they may be ne- they may be near each other, but they weren't at the same table. Or okay. No, 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 no. But uh, I got Chris Claremont, and I remember you got George Perez. And you got him to do a Green Lantern sketch, didn't you, from memory? Yeah, 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 yeah. What was he charging for that? Was it like 150 bucks or? Oh, God, no, no, no. God, no. no. It was actually 200 cheap. Oh, cheaper. No, right. okay. no, no, God, yeah. no, man. He wasn't sure. No, he wasn't some well, money-grubby guy. I think it cost me like 30 bucks or something like that. Wow, really? I would have been charged right through the nose. I would have been saying, I would have said you're coming a mile off. Oh, you, you want Green Lantern? 250 cash right now. Why people don't buy things from me? I'd be like, yeah, can put it around right now. Before, before my pen touches the paper, I want to see the cash. You know. <laughs> people, George Perez is doing it for thirty bucks. I mean, come on, I wouldn't get out of bed for that kind of money. You know. <laughs> well, again, I mean, it depends on how many fans you have, Dave. I mean, if you I've barely got, got any fans, then you may have to fans. overcharge them. I've got a few fans, and uh, no, we have the prices very reasonable, but. But if I'm at a convention and and the masses, as I call them, are swarming me, well, you know, I'm, I want to be well fed. I don't want to go home starving. You know, <laughs> I'll do endorsements. I'll, I'll do all sorts of stuff, but it's always got to come with that ring of cash for me, you know, to make it to make it worthwhile. And by the way, I want to announce. I'm not going to announce it just yet. Um, we have a sponsor that will be coming online next show, Richard. Um, we we have picked up a sponsor, and uh, but next show, our final show of the year, will be our first opportunity for us to promote the sponsor. I won't reveal who they are. I don't want to. I don't want to like you know. I just want to get that sense of anticipation out there for the audience. Uh, we are going places, Rich. 
Um, you must be pretty proud. And obviously, maybe they, they caught when you were involved and uh, brought some momentum to the crease. Uh, okay, sure. I also, I, I, I de- I'm desperate, as always. You know, from, you know me, very desperate, uh, very money-hungry, capitalist. Well, we've just, yeah, we've literally just gone through that, yes. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm desperate to get Rebellion uh, to sponsor the Judge Dread podcast, Red or Dead, so I'm, I'm you know, making some inquiries there because I think what a marriage made in heaven that would be, you know? They, they could pay me in, you know, obviously cash, but they could fling a few trades our way and all sorts of stuff, like... You know, like, and I'll sell out to any level. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll, 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 I'm happy to sell, you know, bedroom sheets, anything. I'll sell anything. Um, It's all for sale. I always say that. It's all for sale. It's all on the fucking table. You know, you want the house, you want the marriage, you want it all. Give me the price tag. You know? (laughs) Don't don't even know what to say to that, seriously. (laughs) Does it surprise you, Rich? It doesn't surprise me. It's just, but I still just haven't got anything to say to it. Like it's just so, it's it's just so for me antithetical. Oh well. Well, hey, you know they always say you can't take it with you, but I always say you you can spend it while you got it. And um, if there's plenty of inflow, that means there can there can be some outflow as well. And I mean, let's face it. And I believe Orson Welles said it best: women don't come for free. You know, like the the hotel rooms, the the Russian models. The caviar, the champagne. Yeah, you know, when you have to pay for it, I guess it doesn't come for free. It doesn't come for free. That's right. Well, most things you have to pay for at some level, Rich. That's um, I had the the brutal reality of life is is honestly very little comes for free. Uh, yeah. You're meeting the wrong people then, but <laughs> probably. But <laughs> yeah, you hang you are hanging out with the wrong crowd. <laughs> well, I'm very transactional, Rich. You know that. Now, um, all right, so obviously I'm excited. I don't know why I'm so excited, because I'm, I'm supposed to be announcing the death of someone, so I'm, apologies there. We're not excited that George Perez has got the cancer. That's sad. Um, the guy's had a great career. The only thing I hope is uh, at least somehow his passing can be made more bearable, you know, met up. Don't And don't tax yourself too much, George. Like, I heard he was trying to do some sort of final round of, like, signings and stuff, or... Some sort of appearances of some kind. I don't know what he's trying to do, but like, it's like, relax, man. You know? Yeah, but I mean, again, if he's only got like nine to 12 months, you know, or six to 12 months, well, yeah. it's not exactly because he's got that much time to relax if if he wants to sort of, you know. What does he want to do? Have have one last hurrah, you know. Um, Doing what? Friends. Well, you know what? I mean, hey, hey. <laughs> he does, Again, as a comic book artist, you have to remember, <clears throat> especially if you've worked. Um, you know, um, contract commission and all that sort of stuff. Sure. You don't exactly have a um, lots of cash, a, a, like a super, yeah, you know, or, yeah, yeah. or much of a retirement fund. So maybe this is just one last thing to, yeah, yeah, get the cash, you know, in. get some cash to, you know, uh, at least leave his family a bit more or yeah. pay for the funeral. Some, you know, I mean, so yeah. you know, I mean, I, I can't blame him for that. I don't blame him. I'm just, I'm just thinking of his health more than anything. Like, um. You know, well, again, I mean, if he's literally been only given six to twelve months, well, yeah, I mean, he's going to be in a hospice though. Pushes himself, he's going to be in a hospice. I mean, if he pushes himself, he's going to drive himself to death faster. I would think. You know, doesn't matter. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it is. I mean, that might reduce any maybe last few months suffering or staring. If you're staring in the barrel of eternity, that's what's happening right there. 
you're staring hey, right yeah, into hey, the I abyss. mean, even if I was uncomfortable, I'd much rather be doing that going around meeting sure. people than lying in a hospital bed. Lying in a hospital bed, just even if, it just, even if it prolonged me three months more in the hospital bed, I wouldn't. Sure. I'd rather go, nah, I'll cut it short by well, three months and push I, myself I, to the air, to, into I, the coffin, thanks. I read closely his announcement and I got the impression he said to make my passing more easy or easier he's going to be doing the signings because um, that's all he can do he can't do commissions anymore he's he's like I'm done I'm returning any prepayments for commissions I've got because I imagine he's the kind of guy who'd always be in demand for that um, but that tells me that maybe yeah in an influx of cash when the real fans just like sign this Christ on infinite earths you know yada 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 I, I you know what I would I would tip my hat to any fan who basically said no nah, don't worry about the refund sure I, I actually, I, you know what? I agree with you there. I, I actually a hundred percent agree with you there. And if I was the kind of guy doing commissions, I would actually say, don't worry about it. Like keep, keep the money, you know, why not? Mm. Like the guys, Chris, you know, with him, he's had such a legacy. Uh, he's earned it. If you know what I mean? He's earned a free fucking commission. You know, he, he, he's earned, he's earned a tip basically, which is what it would be. He's earned a tip. Yeah. 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 They'd like, to me, it would be like, no man, like, you know, yeah. yeah take relax. that as like a, a thank you. Yeah, exactly. For like, you know the 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 years of uh, entertainment and uh, and and stuff that you gave me over the years in your like final stuff. But look, I understand. You know, if if money's tight for people, they can't. But I'm just saying, sure. like, I, I I'm no, I, I, I would you. tip my hat. I, I would doff tip my hat to anyone who said, "Don't worry about it." George. Well, did you like my hypothetical? If I was giving him money, <laughs> he could keep it. <laughs> Do you tip your hat to a hypothetical like a? Oh, Shall yeah. hypothetically tip my hat to you. <laughs> yeah, like, I noticed my I noticed my balance hasn't gone down. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's like uh, now turning to other matters than poor old George Perez who's struggling for form. Um, Excalibur in Assassin's Creed. I held the sword aloft, Richard. I was very excited earlier this week. You might recall it. Um, Dion made some comments which which earned him another notch down on the system. I actually said to Dion, "You're a rock bottom. You're at zero. Um, because he made a comment very Viking. Isn't he always there, though? Occasionally he rises to one or two. He gets one or two notches, and then he just can't help himself. And he slid all the way down to zero. I said, you're at rock bottom. You couldn't be any lower. Um, basically, I got a Scalibur. I, I got the tablets. I've never felt more of a sense of victory in a game. I was just... I, I went to Michelle, and I forced her to come and check it out. Like, I was waving the sword around. Like, she's just... You could just see that her eyes were glazed over with complete boredom. And and I was like, check it out, check it out. Look how messy the sword is. And she's just looking at it, thinking, why why am I here? Why am I in this relationship? Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> and I'm saying stuff like, it's the greatest thing ever. And she's like, better than us. I'm like, well, well, you know, <laughs> it's Excalibur. Um, fantastic sword uh, and a dominating sword in the weapons. Uh, it's one of the most powerful weapons in the game, Rich. And I'm just, I, I've gone up a notch with this thing. It's really skewering people. And for those who weren't aware, it's a double-hander, Excalibur, Rich. I don't know if you're aware of that. I always thought it was with a shield, but it's a double-hander, uh, two-handed sword. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it always was a large sword. Right, you well, always thought it was actually, double-hander? No, I suppose that technically it shouldn't be a double-hander, though. It's a double-hander in this game. I always thought it was a, It was going to be... Um... I, think, I, I always remember it being a single-hand sword. Yeah, well, Assassin's Creed have gone in a different direction. Rich, I don't know what to tell you. Um, obviously, in, in those days, you know, more people fought with a sword and shield. So did uh, they a though? And a sword would make more sense. Well, in this game, the, the 
the long sword or, or the sword, the single hander is very rare. There was one in some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of, um, I don't know whatever you call it, like, um, you know, bonus game thing, but nearly all the swords, there are, and not excluding a short sword like the Romans used, but all the swords are double handers. They're called great swords. Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, is it real? No. Excalibur didn't really exist, did it? We don't have confirmation of that, do we, Rich? Isn't there? Oh, so for that you need confirmation, <laughs> is it? Well, I'm just, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to go, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go back to the fucking history. Wasn't King Arthur like a what, like an early post-Roman king or something? Isn't there some legend about him being like a real king? I thought there was. Uh, sort of legend uh, again, sort. it's supposed to be based on, um, what someone. Did he but have a Excalibur? Well, again, the Excalibur thing is that's the that's just the myth, right? Okay, yeah, okay. Well, I've got more on this story. So I was so excited about getting Excalibur that I actually watched the Excalibur movie um, that I hadn't seen since the mid '80s on VHS. Have you ever caught this film, Rich? The Excalibur, like '81 movie, um, many, many, many years ago. Yes, yes. and in that. Um, the reason I was watching it was because, remember we were discussing last week about the sword in the lake and all that stuff? So in this movie, this is just this movie, that early on, um, uh, King Arthur's father, called Arthur, I think, um, he picks the sword up from the lady in the lake because Merlin guides him to it and, and the lady in the lake puts her hand up and he takes the sword. Michelle said, gee, pretty good graphics for a 1981 movie. Um, and he picked the sword up. He then, at some point, is about to die. Something happens, I can't remember, and he puts the sword into the rock, into the stone, and it's prophesied that the person who will unite the kingdom, you know, the true king, can, um, you know, take the sword out of the stone. Uh, Arthur is kind of like an illegitimate kid. Like, he, Merlin takes him. I, I, someone, Merlin takes him and gives him to someone else. And he doesn't know that he's the descendant of the king. And then he comes across the sword when all the lords, including Patrick Stewart, uh, are trying to pick the, all the lords of England and trying to get the sword out of the stone and can't do it. And then, then it's kind of like Stable Boy, who's Arthur, comes and does it and then he becomes King Arthur. So that's the legend in the, in the movie. And at one point he breaks the sword when he's fighting someone, I forget who. Um, might be Lancelot, actually. Uh Okay, so the, I think that is the that's the more modern retelling of the story, right? Okay. Because again, the old, the original stuff is that he was given the sword by the lady in the lake. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just. But saying that, but that's the problem with Arthur is that he's again it's changed over the years and all that. But well, yeah, that most, movie was was pretty good. Yeah, it was enjoy. Look, it was very trippy, very trippy movie, but it was enjoyable. I mean, we enjoyed it. Like it was, it was a fun watch. Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm level 199 in Assassin's Creed and, um, wow, I took a break off it for a few days because the cricket's been on and obviously that took over my life. I, I'm, I may have to lower my notches, but I just had a look at the Excalibur sword in Assassin's Creed and it looks hideous. What are you talking about? It, it looks like some sort of like <laughs> sci-fi sword. It, it looks terrible. It's massively it long. Really... What are you, are you, it's huge. It is... looks ugly. But is that what you don't like about it, how big it is? No, no, I don't like how ugly it is, the design. I don't even know what the design looks like. It just looks like a normal sword to me. I thought it could have looked... I thought it should have had, like, flames coming off it or something. 
or not electric. The not, not, not the pictures I'm looking at. Looks no, I, I'm anyway, saying Excalibur was a one-handed sword, by the way. Right. So the make, make, makers of Assassin's Creed take notice. Uh, I, guess, I guess your Viking has got a fake one. I'm looking at the sword now. Um, it yeah, it has sort of like a, I don't know how to describe it, but like it's kind of got like ridges in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they made it look like a Viking sword, a Viking design sword, if you ask me. Like, it looks like it's got runes. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. It's, eh, nah, it's nah. a big sword. Look, look at look at that picture I'm looking at. And he, I mean, he's a double-hander. He's, he, he's got two hands on it, and there's a massive gap between it. It's not like a tennis racket. Must be, must be compensating for something. Well, he's, he's really, you know, using a lot of bottom hand in that. Like, that's a, you know, hefty sword to carry into a battle. I, I normally carry in 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 Assassin's Valhalla use an axe in one hand and a flail in the other, because uh, I ditched the shield because I barely ever use the shield. So I use a flail in one hand and an axe in the other. But I took a few levels in great sword because I was doing all this shit to get. And by the way, getting the fucking sword was a fucking trial. Like I had to do all these missions and side mission after side mission and. Beat well, this. They got to keep you playing. Oh Jesus! Like I was exhausted by the end of it. Like. I I was more work than I'd done all weekend on anything, and I was like, my God, that was that was tiring. Um, but you know, I've got it, so that's what counts. Now, Richard, mm. turning to some news, uh, Wonder Woman video game is announced by the makers of Shadows of or Shadow of War, uh, Monolith Productions. They were best known for Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor and Middle Earth Shadow of War, uh, games which I'm sure you hate because they're kind of like Assassin's Creed in um. Uh, like all of the rings, um, it will be a third-person open action, open-world action game, and will feature the Nemesis system made popular in the Middle Earth games that lets you build connections with friends and foes in the game. We don't know when the game will come out or even a release window. Uh, I enjoyed heavily both of those Mordor games. Um, where are you, Rich, on this? Uh, nowhere. <laughs> Did you play Shadow of War or Shadow of Mordor? Uh, I played the first one because I didn't know that Troy Baker was the main character's voice. And then right. I think I played for an hour or two and stopped. Really? Is that a purchase? Yeah. Was that a purchase that you know you then regretted? Uh, no. Um, I think it was on Game Pass or something. Right, okay. Or, or something. I can't remember. Well, I enjoyed them. I mean, they're very Assassin's Creed-like. Would you agree? Like, they are quite similar to Assassin's Creed. Um, yeah, I mean, in a sense, but I mean, Assassin's Creed is kind of a ripoff of other games as yeah. well. But it's it's certainly a it's certainly a Assassin's Creed ripoff with the whole scaling fucking walls and buildings and jumping off and all that sort of crap. Yeah, and then um, and don't call it crap, Richard, because it's essential. <laughs> and and um, but they do have that really interesting <laughs> game design. They have that really interesting game design where you you can beat people, and then if you if that person kills you, they level up against you and stuff. Actually, the only good thing about those games were the, the commercials. Those were funny. I don't even remember them. What, what happened in the commercials? Uh, so one of the commercials was uh, a guy's playing the game, mm. and he and he saves the his orc general, and mm. he I can't remember the general's name. He goes, "Not today, Grug," or something like that. And then every time that he's about to die in real life, mm. the orc appears out of nowhere and goes, "Not today, Dave." <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. saves him from falling off and all that sort of crap and all that. And it's because of what happened in the game. And then there's another one where 
uh, another guy's playing and this orc is just terrorizing him all the time mm. going like suck it you know kevin you know yeah, suck yeah, it, yeah. Kevin. and what it does is it goes backwards in time to show you it all started when they're playing the game and this guy he he was playing the game and he left his journal he said suck it grug or something like that gotcha uh, they were pretty funny ads but that was the only thing i enjoyed about those games with Wow. Other than that, it was it was it was a it was a loss from you, Rich. Yeah. Like, but the, the problem with that sort of stuff is that I don't know. I just find them just like repetitive. But well, there is the a bit problem, of grinding. Yeah. No, no, no. But again, the problem with the open worldness of it is that it goes on for too long. Like all games have grinding in it. Yeah. But if if you're playing a more story focused sort of game, the grinding is a little less. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you mean. Yeah, but yeah. with these, because of the world, the, like it's such an open thing, and it just feels like at some point I just go, I can't, like I'm ground out. Like, I I, and, and you know, in fairness to you, th- that burnout factor happened on both Shadow of War and Shadow of Mortal. I enjoyed both of them. I probably put in twenty hours on each, maybe a bit more on the first one, maybe fifty, and I just burnt out and I haven't finished them. You know, and I and I actually quite enjoyed them, but it's just. Both of them, there is a lot of repetition because, as I've said this to you before, the game wants, even though it's open world, um, some of those games really you have to stay within certain boundaries because the level up sort of nature of some of the sections kind of thing, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, cool. They're basically gated. It's yeah. called uh, gating. Assassin's Creed has gotten better at that. I've noticed Assassin's Creed Valhalla, although it does have that, it's it's less than in say origins. Well, yeah, but that's only because they've they've tweaked it over yeah, the three games games. before that. Yeah, it's true. Or no, it's true. Two games before that, sorry. Two games. Well, Odyssey and Origins, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Where people where people heavily complained about the gating and the grinding. Yeah, definitely. Um and the other thing, just to wrap that up, I've noticed that in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, if you just wanted to play the storyline just the main story they're very generous with their experience point dumps in the game so you know i do a lot of side stuff which is why i'm always kind of like you know i'm leveling up a lot but they really reward you for doing the main story so i'm sure that's a way of trying to keep some more casual gamers invested Mm. you know i i've i've noticed that in valhalla that is a feature um, anyway, so, oh, and by the way, Rich, I'm reading, um, to wrap up this King Arthur stuff, I found these old books, have you ever read Stephen Lawhead? Familiar with that name? Um, well, he, he did a series of books on Arthur, um, like a sort of like historical fiction, but with some magical overtones, like Atlantis and stuff feature in it. And, um, so I've, I've gotten a hold of them and he also did a trilogy of books on Robin Hood, uh, called like Hood, Scarlet and Tuck. So I've, I've, I've actually been reading his first book in the Pendragon cycle, it's called. It's really interesting. I think you'd probably like it. Like, it's good old-fashioned fantasy, um, you know, back from the 90s and 2000s kind of thing. Um, and it's not grim dark. It's more of the kind of high fantasy, if you know what I mean. You'd probably enjoy it, I think. Yeah, probably would. Yeah. Probably could. Yeah, probably could. So, um and by the way, next week, guys, we're going to do a Robert E. Howard review um, of a short story. We're going to do a couple of Crusader ones. Um, and I do want to mention, next week is going to be a Christmas show. And if anyone has any Christmas... I've got an announcement for what we're going to do next week, but if anyone has any Christmas single issues or anything they want us to do, reach out to me on the page. Um, 
and and I will I will add them in. Now, Richard, next week we're going to do Claw the Unconquered, a uh, six issue run by Chuck Dixon on Wildstorm. Are you familiar with the character Claw? Yeah, Claw was basically um, a DC's yes DC um, sort of answer to Cole and Conan. Basically, yes. he had that yeah. he had that red reptilian yes claw hand. Well, Richard, I'm very impressed. Like, I, I put that up there for you. And I was thinking, I wonder if Richard will know this one. I thought it might have been a bit obscure. No, Richard just nails it. Like, you just home run that answer, Rich. And so in the 70s, I did my research before the show. You know I like to do my research, Rich. Lois likes to get involved. In the 70s, uh, David uh, Michelini, um, you know, the famous Iron Man writer and Spider-Man writer, he did like a 12-issue run of Claw the Unconquered back in the 70s. But it was part of the DC explosion that was quickly followed by the DC implosion when all the titles folded. Um, now, Chuck picked it up in, like, mid-2000s and did a six-issue run at Wildstorm under the DC banner. Um, and I thought, what a fantastic opportunity to do one of Chuck's, you know, lesser-known, but I'm sure very very readable and good works. It looks cool. Um, yeah, I chatted to him today and said we'll be doing the next show. So... That's going to be our Christmas uh, read, Rich. You like Claw the Unconquered. I thought you'd probably enjoy that one. Yeah, yeah, no, I would uh, definitely be up for it. I think if I remember, I don't know how long ago, but I think he had a crossover with Wonder Woman or something like that. Really? Okay, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, I believe, we we might even put it into the, there might be a Red Sonja crossover at some point as well, I think. Um, Sorry, he didn't have a red reptilian hand. He had a normal reptilian hand, but he wore a red... Yeah, uh, gauntlet. Over gauntlet, it, exactly. Like that, yeah, yeah, it could be. Yeah, because I read the first issue of the original seventies one, and he has a glove on it or something like a you know some sort of a. Gauntlet. Yeah, it's like it's a red, it's like a red iron gauntlet. But yeah, yeah. Beneath that is a like a claw webbed hand or something. Yes, and my from my first reading, he was very Conan esque, <laughs> you know, with that twist. Uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. I mean. Almost every barbarian is Conan-esque. I mean, sure. like Conan is basically the archetype, the archetype for yeah, um, uh, for a barbarian. Like, uh, but it's why I also laugh. I laugh when people be like, mm. um, you know, when they play a fantasy game and they go, "Oh my god, the sexism is so unrealistic that the woman's not wearing any clothing." Like, oh, how's it going to protect her? And I'm just, and, and my 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 brain automatically goes, uh, "I don't know, Cole, Con- uh, uh, Conan, yeah, Claw, like." That was the that yeah. back in the day. The whole fantasy was that a guy literally just wore a fucking loincloth. Where was his protection? No one, yeah. no one bitches and moans about that. Like it's just it's fantasy. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, they, Conan is at times in armor, but it's rare. You know, he does get in armor more as the king, uh, and if he's in an actual battle. But there's many a Conan story where he's almost just in a what's he normally just a loincloth and sometimes and sort of a cloak, you know. Actually, not even that. Sometimes, literally, just the 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 loincloth, boots, and yeah. Um, wrist, yeah, wristy things, and his little uh, necklace. Like that's it. Yeah, that's it. Keeps it keeps it pretty basic, old Conan, and and you know, very where's, successful. Where's his protection. I've got that Conan. Um, you gave me actually. Um, somewhere around here. Oh, that, that's the one where he's got the the lion mane on his yeah. head. It's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. It's very cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Now, Richard, you finally watched the first Venom movie, so not even the second one, but the first one. Yeah, it was on, uh, it was, it apparently it was in my Netflix queue. And, and uh, you're going to uh, give us a review of I this movie, Rich? One night and I, and I watched it. 
and what's the review? It's pretty middle of the road, if I'm being honest. Did you like, find it amusing? Eh, sometimes. Um, I thought the special effects were pretty lacking, mm. if I'm being honest. I didn't. I thought it looked quite goofy in yep. a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought the villain was very underwhelming. Sure. Um, the doctor guy. Yeah, like I just didn't find him threatening or menacing. Yeah. In, in any way, I really think they could have gone for a much better actor who could really make you feel like, oh my God, that guy is like yeah, scary. I can see why people would be scared of him and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but I mean. Uh, it's not a ringing endorsement so far, Rich. <laughs> again, it's really middle of the road. Like I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like love it or anything like that. It was just like, yeah. oh, okay, that was. Yeah. That was that was entertaining for what it was, but it's not like I sat there going, "Oh my god, wow!" I, can't. I need more, you know. You know, yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I can't believe I've missed this," and it's like, "No," I was just like, oh, "Okay." I'd give I've it a six. It I'd give the original a six point five out of ten. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know? I'd say six is yeah. I'd I'd say that's a pretty reasonable score. It's yeah. a more middle of the road. I mean, I'm I'm sure that hopefully they've maybe gotten a little bit more money for the second one and um and whatever, but um. I was very disappointed how not R it was. Right. But it wasn't R-rated, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's not really that R. Like, I right. mean, you know, like, you, you, you're you thinking about Venom. Yeah. I know once in a while, like, he chomped off, like, a head, but which they don't even really show you. Mm. But I just would have thought that him and the symbiote, like, would have just, like, really gone to town. Yeah. When fighting and, like, limbs and shit would be flying off and stuff. But I, it was pretty tame. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but, you know, it. I mean, hopefully the second one with Carnage is maybe they ramp it up a little bit. I don't know. Well, the second one is more of the same, a bit better. It's a slightly improvement on the original. You know, they dial everything up a bit. It's probably a bit better acted. Um, it's all a bit. Everything's like a little bit more in focus and a little bit better. I'd give the second one like a seven point five. Also, I was not terribly impressed how or much of a goofball the Venom suit was. Yeah, well, uh, he really starts ramping up the comedy in the second one. Um, yeah. He's he, the, the second one is actually quite funny. I found the second one quite amusing, personally. Mm, I don't know. I'm not. I'm just. I guess in my mind, I never pictured the Venom suit as a bit of a prankster, a bit of a yeah. bit of a jokester. Well, I think that we can thank um, Deadpool for a lot of that. You know, <laughs> but Venom did always have a sense of humor, like at least. Early on, after he became an anti-hero, he was always kind of cracking mm, a few jokes. Well, he, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. So we need to separate the Venom from the Eddie. Right. Like, if Eddie is in control of the suit and he's speaking through the suit and they sort of bonded, I can understand, like, maybe Eddie's the one sort of quipping a bit more. Sure. But what I'm talking about is the the suit. Like, when it actually talks to Eddie, right. it's, it's kind of a bit of a goofball, which I wasn't expecting. Right. I, I hear you, man. Yeah. Look, but again, I mean, it, again, not terrible. I mean, again, no. the first time they've really done a, a Venom movie, um, they, they probably didn't weren't expecting much from it, so they probably maybe didn't give it exactly as big a bigger budget, which is why uh, there isn't that much action in it, and like you know, um, uh, it's a bit muted. But um, it, look, put it this way: I am interested in seeing the second one, watching it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's got mean, you to that level at least. Yeah. You know. Yeah, okay. Um well I I mean you can definitely the second one's easily available, Rich. It's not it's not hard to find, man. Like it's, it's I'll a, get around to it one day. 
<laughs> so in three years' time, we can get your view of the second yeah, film. Exactly. Jesus Christ, like. Um, then I watched The Last Duel, the Ridley Scott movie. Uh, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Felt like it could have been a telly movie. A well-told story, uh, you know, different viewpoints of the same, well, uh, it's the same basic story of an accusation and whether that's true or not, and then it's three different people's, um, how do you say, uh, perception of that story. And it's interesting, actually. Very interesting. Um, I enjoyed it, but Ridley Scott has been doing the interview rounds. Uh, and he recently got candid with a journalist during an overseas press tour for his film The Last Jewel. In a clip from the video interview, which is part of a larger Russian interview, the journalist is seen giving a backhanded compliment of sorts, remarking that The Last Jewel is a very, very realistic film. He goes on to note that it looks more realistic than Scott's other films, Kingdom of Heaven or Robin Hood. But he doesn't get much further as Scott immediately cuts him off. Sir, fuck you. Fuck you, he replies. Thank you very much. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself, sir. Go on. <laughs> Pretty amusing from old Ridley, don't you think, uh, Rich? Yeah, I wonder if that man's losing his mind. Is it that, like, is age getting to his brain or something? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why that requires. I mean, that just seems like a real over, <laughs> yeah, overkill, an overreaction to something. I mean, I don't. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Robin Hood is a pretty terrible movie. <laughs> That, that, uh, that yeah, I didn't Scott like it. Made. It's probably so, my least favorite of Ridley Scott's movies. You know, actually, I, uh, I mean, Kingdom Heaven is is a, a a pretty good movie, but I mean, yes, it is a bit unrealistic. But I mean, he has, um, you know, I mean, but that, but if you look at his Gladiator movie, if you took, if you look at like the the Kingdom of Heaven and even the Hood, I mean, they are a little bit more uh, leaning into a bit more of the um, unbelievable. Um, uh, is, scenarios what, uh, like, I wouldn't like, say so Robin what I mean Hood. is like like it's the the action and all that is he's hyped up to like yeah how would like uh, to to action levels yeah 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 do you know what I mean whereas you're like eh, it would probably wouldn't look like that yeah you know and and your hero wouldn't be like unscathed and all that sort of crap but I mean I still enjoy those movies except for Robin Hood um, I didn't like Robin Hood at all it's my least favorite of his movies by far um, yeah why you went with um, Russell Crowe Russell Crowe, I was like, my. Well, also I, the lack of the Merry Men really annoyed me. Yeah, you know. I, can I can I be honest with you? I actually prefer if I had to choose between the two, I would much rather watch the Kevin Costner one. Oh God, yeah, the Kevin Costner on Prince of Thieves, hell yeah, it's yeah, not even close. Yeah. Um, there was um, a really horrible Robin Hood done more recently, really bad one. Um, yeah, 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 that's the one with that uh, Joel Edgerton, is it? And uh, um, I don't think his name is Joel Edgerton, but but it's something similar to that. I never know either guys. The guy from Kingsman and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what's his name? Okay. Sure. Oh, Joel Edgerton's that Australian actor. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably something similar to that, which is, is why I'm confused. Si- it is. It is um, somewhat similar. And yeah. uh, Jamie Lee Fox. No, Jamie Fox. Jamie, Jamie Fox. Fox. Yeah, Jamie Fox. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah no, that that's looked, a terrible. That looked as bad as that King Ar- that Arthur movie with that. Uh, that King Arthur movie that uh, Charlie Ritchie made. Those two go hand in hand as terrible movies. Yeah, I agree. No, they are they are two very poor movies. Uh, in fact, the most recent Robin Hood made Ridley Scott's Robin Hood look watchable. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, good for good for Scott there. But, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, when you when you wrote the story, and I was just like, why is he reacted like that? I, I'm not sure why he reacted so strongly. Uh, I think he's an old guy who just has no shits left to give, and he just gives his unfiltered opinion on whatever he's asked. Now, I think he's at that point. 
where he's just you know i know old... but this doesn't this doesn't like make you look good either though like like this doesn't like if he had actually been smart yeah and given him a backhanded compliment back or something like that yeah i know but like i think you know then, I'd, I'd be like hey well done sir you know yeah. touche but i mean <laughs> carrying on like a petulant child it's not going to win me over to your side like no. even if the reporter is wrong I, I just feel that he's at that point of his life where he's just like, if he doesn't like it, he just says it straight, unfiltered kind of thing. There's no filter now on Ridley Scott, you know? Um, such a weird, such a weird reaction to, to the, the, the the comment. It's I mean, it's so humorous. Weird. It's the guy was laughing apparently when he was saying it. Like the the reporter was like laughing, like he was just like. It's like I mean, it, it's almost like Karen, like the reporter said, "Now Ridley, all the other movies have been shit, but this one's pretty good." Yeah, I know, I know. Do you know what I mean? Like. You know, his brother uh, threw himself off a bridge, killed himself with a cancer diagnosis. Uh, Tony right. Scott, yeah, killed. Um, yeah, he. I, I wasn't aware that Tony Scott um, had cancer, but yeah, he had serious, like, life-threatening cancer, uh, and threw himself off a bridge. Uh, Twenty twelve, yeah, died by suicide. I still don't think that's justification for carrying on like that. I'm, I'm not suggesting <laughs> it is. I'm just, I'm just giving a bit of context to the, the lifestyle. Um, you know, there's there's some heavy emotions flooding around that family. It seems, you know, I guess, you know, he. Well, I mean, you know, he. I guess he he caught the last train out. You know, he he threw himself off the bridge. He knew what he was doing. Um, yeah, but I mean, I mean, if it was pretty bad cancer, I mean, it's, yeah, that's it. You know, I mean, it's it's not like he was like, oh, I'm depressed. I'm throwing myself off the the building. All he was just saying was like, I just, I'm, you know, I'm I'm punching my ticket now. I'm not going to be sitting. Yeah like withering away I would mean, you I, rather I, eat a I bullet understand that. would you rather eat a bullet or throw yourself off a bridge if you had to choose oh jesus it's, a, it's <laughs> tough it's tough uh, uh well i'd probably go the bridge fuck the bridge like you can just throw yourself off it's easy you know just say fuck but, it. well i don't know see the problem <laughs> is um when you throw yourself off the bridge yeah. you're like you, you're still you're still like present probably. He's still there, yeah. Sure. You know, you're, you're on the way you're, down. You're, you're watching sort of death come at you. Yeah. The the bullet to the brain would probably be the quickest way, but then I'm I'm concerned about the mess I leave for people to get. <laughs> the cleanup crew afterwards. I feel, I feel guilty. I would actually feel guilty about leaving such a mess. I'm very non-suicidal, so either one is not a good option. But if I had to choose, I've always thought like. Just throwing yourself off a massive fucking building or bridge. Like, if you absolutely had to, if you had no choice in the matter whatsoever. Uh, I'm scared of guns, though. So that's another part. You know, I'm, I'm not a gun person. I think if you're more comfortable with guns, it might come a bit easier. Um, mm. Maybe too easy for some people. But interesting. It's it's getting dark in here, so we should play a bit of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we could just lighten the mood. We could reach, but why would we want to do that? It's Signal of Doom, my friend. I mean, sometimes it gets dark down in the swamp, man. We turn the lights out. Um, box office projections for the next entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man No Way Home, have been revealed, and the multiversal superhero film is expected to be the highest-grossing pandemic-era film by far and may even go toe-to-toe with the MCU's highest-grossing film so far, which would I don't think it's going to beat. What's the highest-grossing? Probably Avengers Endgame. If I have to guess, um, I assume it would be Avengers uh, Endgame. I, I can't see this movie making a billion dollars in today's climate. It might. There's a lot of hype. Um, but you uh, have... There's a lot of overhype, yes. 
Well, but that, that drives audiences, Ben. That drives audiences, dude. Uh, again, overhype, if the movie doesn't live up to the hype, will only get you a first week good That's box true. office. But and, you need and long also, legs to make a billion. It's true. And also COVID. I think COVID's still no, Yeah, but that's people. what I'm saying. In this climate, yeah. I just I can see it doing well in the first week or two. Mm. But, you know, now, you know, because, again, we're still, you know, it, you know, the governments are still trying to figure out ways to keep us locked down. I just can't see. Yeah. I don't see any movie having legs. You've got to make your money in the first two weeks now. No, I agree. I, I think, I, I, I think yeah. the new norm is you got to make it. And I just, I don't care how good the movie is off the bat. I just can't see a movie making a billion dollars in two weeks. No, no, no. You can't make a billion in two weeks. Um, and also, don't forget, you can't have people sitting, like, on top of each other anymore. So your ticket sales are already... Are there size reduced. restrictions in cinemas? Are, are there seating restrictions in cinemas? I'm not even aware. Well, I would imagine that you have to leave one space between Oh, well, then, it, then it kills you. You, you can't... if. There's seating restrictions. Yeah, you're not going to do it. Like, look, I'll comfortably take the bet that Spider-Man: No Way Home won't um, beat the highest-grossing Marvel film. Um, oh no! I mean, unless they mean the highest-grossing Marvel film since the pandemic. I think it'll be that. I think it'll be. I think it'll yeah. be that. I think I mean, it'll if do you're well. Talking about like, if you're talking about like Black Widow or something like that, sure, I could see it. I, I, I think but... it's going to take over six hundred million. I, easily, I think it'll. I think it'll go above that. I think we'll be punching towards 700, 800 even. But we'll see. Um, we'll see. There's certainly a lot of hype on it. But as you say, these other factors come into it as well that aren't just directly related to the movie um, quality or anything. It, we're talking about a, a post-COVID climate where a lot of casuals, and that's the thing to remember. A lot of casuals turn up for these Marvel movies. I think a lot of casuals are still not convinced that they need to be back in the cinema just yet you know yeah um, oh yeah 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 i mean uh yeah i just think that look the, i think the the studios are still trying to figure out how to make money in in the covid era sure. i think they're just trying to like okay what do we do where do we make it like, because before you would you you you'd get like a good month yeah in the cinemas and you would look to try and sort of capitalize every week, like, like how like, make sure your movie's got the legs. Well, remember, but remember the original not... suicide squad, it just stayed in cinemas and it just kept earning. It didn't matter that everyone said it was crap. It was shit. It just kept earning money week after week after week. And it made from memory uh, close to 700 million. That was, and that would not happen in today's climate because they just kept it in cinemas and it just kept trucking along week after week, you know? Yeah, but I mean that also can also because it also depends. But again, it, again, there's lots of factors because it depends on what else is showing. Sure. And if there wasn't much options, then yes, if you like maybe releasing a not too uh, crowded, mm. um, yeah, where slight. you don't have too much competition, yeah, then you leave it in there for a month, and you know people are going, oh, well, let's just go see it. There's nothing else to watch. But remember, prior to COVID, th- those cinema releases, there wasn't too many free slots. COVID has wiped out out that market because do you remember how crowded the slots were we were covering it on the show there was so much content put out there on the cinemas trying to cash in on the cinematic universe trends and mm. that all ended with covid covid killed all that you know yeah um which is interesting so we'll see well look as just pure from pure marketing standpoint and from a box office standpoint it will be interesting to see just financially how spider-man no way home does because it's got plenty of, you know, positive press and plenty, plenty of PR behind it. 
and then, as you say, it's you know the rubber hits the road, and we find out how much, um, how good it is, and what kind of loyalty Spider Man has in the fan base to turn up, uh, multiple viewings. God knows, you know. The... Well, you know what? I mean, I've just thought of something now as we're talking about it. I wonder what's also hurt the studios, especially with like these um, uh, franchise or license or universe stuff and all that. Is you know, I mean, when they were flying high, mm. getting all the normies in, they were basically like pretty much the fans saying fuck you yeah you know like we we do what we want with these characters we're making bang but now in a covert world the the people that would probably go and give you repeat viewers oh, yeah. and get your money up would be the hardcore fans True. but you've basically spent the last few years basically telling them to to get lost we we're not we're, we're not looking for you anymore we, we're wanting a different audience sure but you, you know them too they'll always come crawling back um to... oh some will but not all Oh no! I mean the studios. Well, 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 they'll reboot it at some point to what it always was supposed to yeah. be, or whatever. Like they're, they're never that adventurous. Well, I, said, I mean, they're still trying to figure the whole thing out. Like, yeah. you know, because now they either got to decide, okay, well, we need to spend less on movies mm. if we only really get in about two weeks to make money before everyone stops going, or you know, the people who are going to go have gone, and then we've got to get this onto streaming or. Well, Disney uh, have got their streaming base. Disney, Disney have got Disney, you know, plus. No, I know, but I mean, but you still want to sell DVDs is my point. You still want to sell Blu-rays. Sure. And, because but, that's, yeah. that's extra money. So I'm just saying, like, they've got to really work out, okay, what's the optimal time in the movies? How, you know, and then mm. we've got to get it out there to either streaming or Blu-ray or something. You know what I mean? Because we've got to make a money back. Because as I said, you remember, I mean, before movies used to come out they used to be at the cinemas for like four to six weeks yeah then you'd have to wait a good three to four months yep yeah before it, it came out on on blu-ray or dvd and all that. I mean, those sure. days are gone now it's all of a rush 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 to keep it yeah fresh and, do, you, do you buy the uh blu-rays anymore I, I buy the occasional one um generally related to being a bit of a completionist with um uh if it's, Marvel if stuff. it's a classic that i that i really love yeah um yeah. and i want to own it yes if it's some new movie no yeah oh yeah no i'm oh i'll still occasionally buy classic films that are re-released on blu-ray occasionally if i get them at a good price i will uh dvd funnily enough some of the old tv shows that come out i don't mind getting them because I, I i like having them kind of thing um, yeah, yeah that's what i said if it's if it's something classical or something that i really like yeah yes i mean before i used to i used to buy movies even if i'd never watched them right you know, I'd see it for like 10 bucks and I'd buy it and I'd go, oh, you know what, I'll watch it one sure, day. Sure, I don't do that anymore. Now no. it's like, nope, I must know that I like the movie and then I'll buy it to own it. Yeah, gotcha. Well, that makes sense. Um, I'm actually watching the Planet of the Apes TV show, the 70s TV show, because I, okay. I got the DVDs. It's awesome. I'm loving it so much. Go away. I actually just bought, I just bought an entire bag's worth of um, secondhand uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. Really? Yeah, I've got some good deals. I've got a couple of seasons of Chuck. I've got a couple of seasons of Star Trek. When um, you say you bought bags, like from where? No, no. I mean, I got a. I bought an entire bag's worth. Like, oh, I, I see. Put it right. in a bag. It's like it's I a bag's you. worth of like. I was uh, like, some guy down at the bus station selling bags of DVDs, and Richard's down there selling the deal. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just I bumped into someone, and they said that they were like moving and stuff and they were looking to like sell their stuff and it was like five bucks you know like i got the whole stash for like 60 bucks wow that's pretty cool 60 70 bucks and yeah that's good like a ton of it's, it's a it's a it's a treasure trove it's a treasure for like trove for rich rich has stumbled on a gold mine 
Yeah. So I love that's it. That's what I like. I mean, I like doing stuff like that. But yeah, I don't go to the shop now and go, yeah. oh, let me just pick up a whole bunch bunch of movies that I may be interested in or, you know, no. it's cheap. I just, I don't do that anymore. No, fair enough. Um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 teaser, I thought looked absolutely epic. Uh, you were less thrilled when I texted you the link. Uh, you were distinctly unthrilled, weren't you, Rich? Uh, I was, yeah, neither unthrilled or thrilled. Well, I thought it looked good, man. I thought it looked real good. Spider-Man 299, 2099. Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't care about Miles Morales. I'm sorry. I, I, What's wrong I with Miles Morales? He's not that bad. I just don't care about him. Just like you don't care about Camilla Khan or... I fucking hate Camilla Khan. But that's my point. I just... <laughs> he's a redundant character that I don't have room to care about. Right. Is it because of... um, I don't know. It's just, you, think, you think he's like Peter Parker light kind of thing? Uh, super light, yeah. Peter Parker's super light. Bland. Yeah. He's not great. I mean, Peter, I, 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 I don't love him that much, but... I liked him quite a lot in the Into the Spider-Verse. I thought that was the best rendition of him that I've seen, you know? Um, I don't, I, I've never really kind of read comics where I'm like, man, I need more of this um, Miles Morales guy. But in Into the Spider-Verse... No, no, I mean, I if you give me a Spider-Verse cool. where it, it's, it's Peter Parker and a whole bunch of different versions of Peter Parker sure. and Spider-Ham and all that, I'm fucking on board. Like, yeah. you know... I'm there day one, but if you tell me, oh no, it's got other Spider-Man, but it's really a Miles Morales story, I'm like, eh, I'm not there, sorry. <laughs> Boy, who did, was Miles Morales Bendis originally? Yes, yes, yeah. it's a Bendis. He's a Bendis creator. It's got to be one of Bendis's most successful, considering how shit a lot of his creations are. You know, did he create Jessica Jones? That would be another one that was pretty popular. I think I he did. Don't think. He- did he create Jessica Jones? Yeah, or did he did. He no, he did. Revitalize her or something. No, he did because it was going to be someone else. It was going to be Spider Woman, and they wouldn't allow it. So he then created Jessica Jones as the story, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, because he's obsessed with he's obsessed with um, well, this this is on interviews I've heard him. He was obsessed with the original Spider Woman. You know, the one from, like, the 70s cartoon show and all that? Is it Jessica uh, Drew? Okay. No, she was... Okay, she was a, a Bendis creation. Okay. Yeah. and But, but originally, the story he pitched it was going to be Spider-Woman, and Marvel said no. And then he created Jessica Jones. That's the story I heard, anyway. Okay. You know, and uh, it's like... Uh, it's, I'm sorry, a super uninteresting character, so, I mean, who cares? <laughs> I don't mind. Like, like, to me, that's some of Bendis' best... Uh, own creations like and, and by the way i'm not saying it's that great i'm just saying like if i have to pick a bendis thing i i think that's amongst his better stuff um, to me she's just basically luke cage's girlfriend well that's what she like, turned that, into that, that, that's the only thing i think about her as right that, that's it that's the that's the it. level of thought she gets from me right yeah fair enough then i mean she's not that great i i like that first season of the show though i thought that was pretty good um now tom holland was talking for a long time, there was a Craven movie that was going to be the third Spider-Man movie because things weren't working out. It actually was really cool. I don't want to talk about it in case that movie ends up happening down the line. I think that movie could definitely happen uh, with the talk that um, apparently he's doing a trilogy, another trilogy of movies. I think the chances of a Craven's Last Hunt or Craven's storyline with him are quite high, I would think. be far more interested in a Craven than this movie. It, the one, No Way Home. Yeah, you're just not hot on it, are you? You're just not feeling it at all. 
No. What is it, Rich? What 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 happened as a child to just kill the joy? <laughs> I just, I, as I said, to me, it's just a, it's just a, a knee jerk reaction to the Flash movie. Yeah, I just, it, I feel yeah. like it's, it's just them. Uh, I don't feel like it's, it, it. Okay, so I don't feel like any of the Spider Man movies were leading to this, right? I feel like it's just come out of nowhere. Although in the last one, there was mention of the multiverse. No, but again, that was, there was a guy talking. No, no, no. But my point is, in that movie, that was just a guy talking shit. Right. That was a con man. Yeah. Pretending to be from a, a, a an alternate Earth. That's true. He to, was pretending to do that. So, like, and and that that I was fine with. I actually really enjoyed that mm. because again, he's the the special effects dude. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mysterio. It's the movie magic and all that sort of shit. So I was like, I quite like that idea that he's convinced them that he's from like a parallel Earth and all that sort of crap. Meanwhile, he's just some schmuck who is um you know stiffed by um tony stark uh tony stark and all that sort of stuff but uh and then of course when they did the um <clears throat> that he gets revealed mm. to be peter parker like i just feel like this is this movie has just derailed the ending for that movie but then this one has got dr strange trying to fix that which is what causes the problems yeah, again, I, I, I see how they've tacked it on. Yeah, I get you. I get you, man. Yeah. But I just feel like this was not... This was something that they... they there was a snap decision to do because of the um, of DC doing the Flashpoint. Yeah, thing, and there's been Spider-Verse you know, stuff, so they're like, we, we could do... And, all this sort of stuff. and they probably thought, well, we've done Spider-Verse in the comics, and we've done it on TV shows, and this and that, and... Yeah. Let's, but again, let's I was it. following your two movies, and then I just like I was expecting us to go right, and then they just took a sharp left turn, and I'm left there going, "Where are we going now?" But isn't that sometimes part of it, man? Like that, it's it's like go against the you know the path of sort of the expected path to to. Uh, as I said, I if if you told me that the third movie was going to be Craven finding out who Peter Parker was and then deciding he wants to hunt him. Mm while he's trying to sort his fucking life out, while everything's crumbling around him, and that's making his life just, like, absolutely awful. Do you think Spider-Gwen will be in this? I'd like to, to see Spider-Gwen. To the point of him snapping, I would have much preferred that movie than this. Yeah, but we can have that too. If there's going to be another trilogy of movies, like, we can, you know, we don't have to stop at this one. I hope this isn't the last one. I'm not saying we have to stop at that, but, I mean, we didn't have to go here in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm down for it, man. I mean, we're of opposite opinions here. I'm hyped up for it. I'm seeing it in gold class on Thursday Dude, night. Dude, you Michelle. are super fucking hyped for it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm seeing it in gold class with Michelle on Thursday night. So on Friday next show, I'll be able to do a review for it. Yeah, you've you've punched your ticket for the hype train. You're on board. I'm on board that hype train, man. I'm 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 deep. You think Judas Traveler will turn up? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it's not going over a cliff. Did you hear what I said? Then will Judas Traveler turn up? <laughs> Probably not. Sad. He never gets the love that, like, you know, I give him the love. To be fair, probably most people working at Marvel and I don't even know who that is. Well, I didn't know who it was until I read it, and I was like, man. I said to I said to JM the other day, I said, JM, when we get you on, we've got to talk some Judas Traveller. He gave me the big thumbs up. He was like, sure, Dave. You're the one guy out there who's interested in Judas Traveller. You've just discovered him. You've just discovered him, and I'm all about him, man, you know? Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, so... Now, we have some leakage that's very much a hot rumour, Rich. And, you know, on Signal, we do deal in rumour, um, you know, and I'm all about if, if someone can link me up to some studio gossip, deep sources inside, I'll keep you anonymous. You can always come to Signal of Doom. I'm willing to trade secrets. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, 
it's kind of like that it's it's all what do they call it spycraft i'm all about that rich like cladstone meetings and the dead of night dark web interactions to get this information out there uh you know get to the bottom of the jfk assassination all that kind of stuff did marilyn kill herself all that stuff you know um but in terms of this it's a fantastic forecast leak uh that comes via 4chan which i believe is an internet site isn't it rich um and uh, the user claimed to have worked on the upcoming film ant-man and the wasp quantum mania i feel sorry for them having to do that uh, he claims that the Ant-Man sequel will include appearances from the new Fantastic Four team and continue to reveal who would allegedly be playing the characters, um, hence saying the Fantastic Four have been cast in the MCU. Now, I'm going to go through the cast, Rich, and if I don't, I know two of them out of the four. I'm not familiar with the other two. I'm hoping your knowledge is wider than mine. So, Glenn... I, I only know three of the four. Well, that's better than me. Glenn Howerton playing Reed Richards is the first one. Are you familiar with Glenn Howerton, Rich? Because I've never heard of this person He's in my life. He's from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, well, at least he's from a good show um, that's got, like, a lot of, you know, positive press. I'm going to bring up... Um, how, how, how old? Is he an older Reed Richards or younger? Oh, the actor could only be 40 max, I think. Oh, well, that's still not, like, a teenager, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is very odd because apparently they, they've... Uh, well, you go through the list. Okay, so Glenn Howerton is the first one. I'm just bringing up his picture now. Oh, okay, I, I've seen that guy before. All right, so he's... I mean, that looks pretty... The kind of person you'd expect to play Rue Richards. Uh, then the second one is Christian Bell playing Sue Storm. Is Christian Bell... Um, Bell. Is she the um, blonde... From Veronica yeah. Mars and stuff. Yeah, sadly she is that one. I'm a big fan of her, actually. Oh, good for you. Um, well, I love Veronica Mars. I, I, I am interested if that's going to be her. Older than I would expect, but I guess they're doing an older cast. Third one is Chase Stokes playing Johnny Storm. Are you familiar with Chase Stokes, Rich? Never, ever heard of him. I'm just going to bring up Chase Stokes while we're at it um, so we can have a look at this Chase Stokes guy. Uh, never seen this guy before in my life. Um, what's he known for? John B. in the Netflix, hit Netflix teen drama series Outer Banks. Never heard of this guy in my life. Um, okay, well, anyway, that's, uh, that's him. <laughs> uh, and then finally, Rich, uh, we have playing... Ben Grimm, Seth Rogen. Terrible. Which makes me think this is a joke cast list. Like, I, I don't see Seth Rogen playing Ben Grimm, do you? Well, uh, look, okay, so I don't know who Chase Stokes is. He, he clearly is probably going to be just some hot young yeah. guy um, who the gift for, for, for uh, Johnny Storm. Glenn Howerton, I mean, sure. Um I, I guess he's a good pick for Reed Richards. I mean, I'm not here nor there for that. Mm. The, the two that throws me is the Kristen Bell and the Seth Rogen. I feel like that just feels like too joke. Yeah. Um, joke casting. Like, Kristen Bell, really, as Invisible Woman? I just don't see that. What, why are you Seth not happy Rogen, oh my fucking God. <laughs> Seth fucking Rogen as Ben Grimm? You, you cannot be serious. You know who would be better? Like, that who is... The guy from funny, S.H.I.E.L.D. The guy from S.H.I.E.L.D. Who played him? Huh? 
The guy from The Shield who actually did play him in the original movie. No, no, but I was going to say, you know, like, even if you were going to go for someone for Ben Grimm, I'd much rather see John C. Riley voice Ben Grimm than Seth Rogen. Sure, okay, I could see John C. Riley, yeah. Okay. But Seth Rogen, fuck all. Seth Rogen would kind of go the stoner out, wouldn't he? I would think. Yeah, there's nothing threatening about Seth Rogen at all. Like, him and his stupid fucking laugh. I I like Seth Rogen, but um, I don't... um... I just don't see him doing it either. What what Seth Rogen got yeah. to gain from playing Ben Grimm? Yeah. I may have liked Seth Rogen early on, but that stoner stick got really old really fast for me. Uh, see, I find him quite funny still. I, I think he's actually no, a pretty entertaining. I, I find him actually like, okay. like just terrible. Well, we've got something about Seth Rogen now. Um, you texted me something about Santa Inc. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Rich. Um, but then I did a bit of research. It's a, a new, I believe, an animated thing on HBO Max. I haven't watched it. I meant to, but I just haven't had a chance. Um, it's really gotten bad reviews, Rich. Like 1% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Um, really, really bad reviews. Now, what's you know more of the story. What's going on? So basically, it's, it, it's, it's a show made by like basically Jewish people. Right. Yeah, because he's Jewish. Telling, telling people the that Santa's too white and too male, right? It's know, a comedy, and, though. Yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah, it's it's a comedy made by the people that made Sausage Party. Like that's a like that's a positive. Oh, but he they've done he Seth Rogen's done plenty of hit comedies as well, like that have done very well early in his career. Sure. Oh, he's he's. He's produced a lot of hits. Seth Rogen's production company, a lot of lot of successes, man. More, yeah. More, well, maybe you should stick to just producing good movies instead of actually trying to. Um, Did you see American it? Pickle? That was pretty good. American Pickle was what? pretty. Fu- American Pickle was pretty. Yeah, funny. but again, that's that that movie was was I guess something about to do with his grandfather or something like it's, it's got to do with his right. history. I'm just saying it's. Um, so you're I not don't happy. Think people people don't have a problem with you making a darker comedy about christmas i mean look at bad santa for fuck's sake yeah i loved it that's a dark comedy but the point is this is a comedy where people are literally just swearing Mm. as if swearing alone is supposed to make you funny sure just crass humor basically but it is chock full of the worst woke right uh comedy inverted commas yes like there's one where a guy goes she goes oh you know I'm, i'm hitting the gym alone what? What do you need to go to the gym for? Your body's perfect. And then he goes, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. That I meant what I meant. And she goes, anytime you want to compliment my body, you have my consent. Right. And it's like, oh, my God, that is cringy. It is pretty bad. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and it's just full of that. But on top of that, you've got the edginess and all that. But then on the top of that, it's basically a movie, or sorry, a show uh. about how Santa needs to change. Right, like Santa's too white. He's too male. Right, he's too straight. We need to <laughs> we need to change Santa for, to make him better. And we, you know, and basically, is he too fat? Young... Is he too fat as well? Oh, or and... is it... oh I... well, no, you're not allowed to be too fat because. All oh, right, because of the you're not allowed. So, so the the fat isn't brought up. Right. Okay. Because then they'd be they'd, people fat... would accuse him of body shaming. Fat shaming, yeah. But okay. um. But what I find so funny is that the character that Sarah Silverman is playing, this purple elf chick, is actually Jewish in the show. Right. It's a Jewish elf wanting to be Santa. Okay. And complaining about Santa. And I just think to myself, that's just so weird. I don't get it because... I'll have to watch it. I mean, I I like that kind of stuff. Like, because I mean, 
trust me, you may think you like that stuff, but I don't think you'll like this. No, maybe not. No, maybe not. Yeah, you're right. Because but, I'm, yeah. this is like literally one of the worst reviewed shows yeah. in history. No, just that. The, the no, reviews are so bad. The Seth yeah. Rogen is coming out and saying the only people review bombing it or every single person that hates this is white supremacist. Right. <laughs> white supremacists. Yeah, that's he's, really? he's come out and he said that all oh. the negative comments, all the people negative reviewing this movie are all white supremacists. He could be being a bit hyperbolic, though, when he's saying that. I mean, it is Seth Rogen at the end of the day. No, I feel like to the, in today's age, that's the escape. That's the sure. That's well, the way to I will, I will check now. it out. Now it's like, oh, if you don't like my stuff, it's because you're racist or sexist. Or have you watched it? Homophobic. Have you, have you watched it? Shield. Have you watched it? I've seen two. Of, I've no, no. I've seen two of the trailers. Is it a show or a movie? It's an eight episode. Oh, and I think each episode is near about like fifteen. Okay, well, what I'll do is I will watch it. I will watch it for next show. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to. I meant to, but I just didn't get a chance. But I did see it on HBO Max. I did see the... Um... Trust me, I, I watched the trailers, and I don't think you would even chuckle once. No, and maybe not. Uh, but I'm just saying, in general, I'm generalizing. I've enjoyed... I enjoy his comedy, and I've liked some stuff that others have sort of turned their nose up at, but Sausage Party... I didn't particularly enjoy. I thought it was a bit, uh, uh, like, it was... The danger with Seth Rogen is he's much more clever and more funny than Kevin Smith, but the danger would be that that's where he winds up. But he, but he's actually a very clever guy, and he picks his projects carefully. So he's, he's had a lot of hits. So, in general, I've enjoyed him. Now, some stuff I find a lot funnier than others. Like, American Pickle, I was chuckling throughout. I wasn't like, this is the greatest thing of all time, but... We put it on, very low expectations. I didn't even know it was the thing until I clicked it on, and we enjoyed it. And most of his stuff I've enjoyed, but I this feels more like, a, as you say, all that woke comedy is not my kind of cup of tea, um, but I, I can see that that's where he's bending it. But I will, just in the interest of research, I will watch it, and I'm definitely not a white supremacist, so... Um, we will see what I have to say about it. Well, in that case, you'll love the show then if you're not a white supremacist. No, I, I'll, I will give it a fair viewing, though. I'll give it a fair viewing. It's on HBO Max. I wouldn't pay to see it, though. If it was a movie that I had to pay and see, I wouldn't be seeing it. But it's on HBO Max. I'll give it a, I'll give it a chance. Why not? Um, Matrix Resurrections had another trailer. Michelle was very excited. She saw it. We were watching the cricket, and it came. She said, Matrix! And I was like, yeah, it's coming. It's Boxing Day, apparently, Rich. Oh, sadly, I'll be working that day. <laughs> You're not looking so forward to it, are you? You feel that, like this is a bit of a reheated franchise? This is going to be another one of those we're trying to cash in on a 20-year-old sure. property. Yeah. And we're not going to actually make it anywhere as good as the original. Yeah, I think they're going to struggle to make it as good as the original. Cause the ori- but the original was like... You know, sort of like a I mean, once in a generation kind I, of thing. Yeah, but I finally got around to watching. Um, so oddly enough, I just finished watching uh, all the Bill and Ted movies. So what happened oh God, was really? I, I ended up watching the first one, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Great movie. Fucking great movie. I love it so much. Mm. Um, and then I watched the second one. And then I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'll watch oh, the, the new one. The, oh, yeah. The, the, the old man. What did you Ted. think of it? What did and you think of it? Was it was awful. I thought, it I agree. It was awful. No, I agree. I thought it was actually very poor too. Uh, really. It was poor. so bad. I just was like, I was like, afterwards, I was like, I wish I had watched that now. Cause no, I agree. 
I, I agree. I, it doesn't. I'm not. It doesn't really taint it, but it, it makes you feel like, oh, I feel like it's tainted the well, the, you, the first you, two. Because, you know because what? Because it exists in my mind now. Yes. Uh, look, I agree. I, I went into that movie, and I didn't go in with high expectations for whatever the fuck the third Bill and Ted's called. Um, but I just thought to myself, it just felt so lazy, you know? Um, it felt yeah. like something no, Kevin that's what I said. It's, it's It's these 20 year later cash grabs that just, they, they, they're there to just cash grab. I know. But sometimes it works. Like well, Jurassic okay, not, Park. Not works. always. Okay, but no, no, hang on. I know that 10 times it's just a cash grab. Yeah, no, I agree. There's in where it actually comes from a place of like, like either like, uh, like love and and uh, story where someone actually has a really good idea for a sequel, even though it's like twenty years too late for a signal a, a sequel. But they're yeah. like, no, no, no. But with the twenty years, I can make it work. Yeah. But that's a one out of ten. That's a one out of ten uh, scenario. No, I agree. What do you think of like? Um, I mean, Hollywood has remade stuff forever. So many a famous, you know, film is a remake of a previous movie. Uh, what do you think of if they said? I know they did Independence Day Resurgence. What if they'd said we're remaking Independence Day, not a, not a sequel, a remake? Would you have been more inclined thing, to I check that have, out? I don't have a problem with with remakes. Oh. If one, you're using the original one as as sort of inspiration, as yeah. just a uh, a a a jumping off or jumping on point, mm. you know, as a, as a base, and then what you do because you could do like a new Bill and Ted, yeah, uh, and, and and you could try and figure out a way to make it work in today's age with today's technology. Mm. You you could maybe tell a fun, interesting story if you're saying like we we're going to modernize it, but I mean we can't copy and paste. No. Because that's that's that, that's like thirty years ago, you know. So now we have to really stop and think: mm. how would we make a movie with that uh, frame work in, say, twenty twenty one or or twenty twenty or wherever we set in the movie mm. with the newer technology and newer music, all that sort of crap? I don't have a problem with that. But if you literally just do a copy and paste, yeah, and you're trying to almost recreate that movie with the same beats and stuff, even though there's like. 30, 40 years difference between them, then no, it's not going to work. That's going to be a really bad um, remake. But I mean, I don't have, a, I do not have a problem with, with, with remakes in general. I have a problem with, um, uh, uh, a, a copy and paste remake. Yeah. Where they, they, like the dialogue's the same almost. They're almost trying to recapture the same type of characters. Yeah. And I certainly don't, I really not a fan of like, oh, let's do a sequel where they old men now kind of shit and all that. Like, because again, that very rarely works. Like, like Ghostbusters. If you make a bad be... remake, it's just a bad remake. Yeah. That's it. It's just, okay, well, that was a bad remake. What if they said, but, okay, we're going to remake Goonies? You know? Remake. Again, I don't have a problem with that if, if you are going to, yeah, if you're going to tell a similar story, but update it, modernize it. Mm. Um, maybe it's a different type of treasure or, or, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, because again, like movies from the eighties and all that, it's a different time. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a different world. It's, it's almost, it's almost like, it's like a hundred years ago. You almost think about it that way. Cause I mean, think about it in the eighties when there's movie make, no kid had a cell phone. There was no, no internet. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? But if, you do, if you're going to do it today, you can't just do it beat for beat because you're like, no, it's cha- if you, no, technology has changed. Kids have changed. Don't you weirdly kids think... act and interact have changed. Don't you weirdly think that the vibe of Goonies, they've remade countless times inside the last five years with like Stranger Things and all that kind of stuff, you know? Like they're consciously mining that kind of 80s nostalgia. Well, again, that, that, I think that's why they put Stranger Things in the 80s. Yeah. Because those sort of like kids, on kids their bikes. Cut, work best in the eighties. Yeah, it's true. You I know, mean, yeah. where they're not like uh, technology focused, where they don't have a cell phone or a tablet. Yeah, like yeah. you know, those, those kids actually have to go out on their bikes and get into adventure and trouble and all that stuff. It's very hard to do it today. Yeah, like when we you know saw I mean? when we so, were kids, my, I mean, me and my sister saw Goonies. It felt like it was something that could happen in our lives. You know, like we were riding around on our bikes. You know what I mean? Looking yeah. for adventures. Yeah. I agree. It's mm. kind of crazy. I but... mean, another cool one was um, uh, what's what's that? Um, ah, there was another good movie um, that came out, and it was all the universe monsters. Mm. Oh, the I know kids. them. Yeah, I, it's called something Mon- Squad. Monster Squad, I think it's called. Monster Squad. That's another good movie. Yeah, yeah. Fright Night, the original Fright Night, not bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I watched the remake of that Fright Night, and it's. Fine, it's an okay movie, but yeah. it just doesn't have the charm. Yeah, I like the. Of, I, I the like. First movie. There's just something. Yeah. I was going to say I did like the remake of Fright Night, but it's you are you are right. It doesn't have the charm of the original, but I did like the remake of Fright Night as well with Colin Farrell. It's just something about movies like that. It's if you look at movies like Goonies, um, mm. Fright Night, um, uh, Gremlins, you know, Monster Squad, the, the those sort of kids movies are. So there's just a certain charm to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that you you can't recapture, and so that's why I'm glad with the Fright Night uh, remake that they did, they went for a darker, edgier, yeah, um, a bit more adult. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It had a you yeah, know, exactly. uh, sort of thing, which again, I, it was fine, but again, it it it's 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 different. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree, Rich. Um, now we have here some news about Eric Kripke. Uh, the showrunner of um, The Boys, uh, he announced The Boys Diabolical, an eight-episode animated anthology spin-off series set in the show's universe. Um, so it's going to star, obviously, Carl Urban as well, um, who played Butcher in, in the thing. Now, from memory, you weren't a fan of The Boys, were you, Rich? No, but this is good news for all The Boys fans. Indeed, indeed. Um... Then we had uh, big news, actually. Marvel's Kevin Feige confirmed Charlie Cox will be the MCU's Daredevil, uh, and he will be the one to play Daredevil in any future MCU projects. This was highly speculated, and it's just now formally been announced, so obviously people have signed papers for Kevin Feige to come out. And, but, uh, you know. but the question is, mm. is it the same Daredevil? Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, I guess. Or is it just going to play a different Daredevil? Because, I mean, don't don't forget that the... Yeah, he may be playing Daredevil, but he might not be in the Netflix Daredevil. They might actually kind of reboot his his, his Daredevil uh, um, and and actually have him be... Because, again, don't forget the Netflix one. I mean, you've got Kingpin basically decapitating the guy with a car door, like smashing his his head in the car door till it crumbles. You're not going to get that on a... uh, <laughs> on, a, on a Disney Plus uh, sure. show or movie, so yeah, I, I mean, he, he's definitely playing Daredevil. Question is, what Daredevil? 
Very good or point. What version of Daredevil? Now, Rich, something that you'll be probably pretty annoyed about: the Book of Boba Fett. Are you familiar with the TV show with Tamora Morrison? It's been announced on Disney Plus. Sadly, I do know of it. Yes. Now it's going to fill in a lot of Star Wars gaps, according to Tamara Morrison. Uh, it will discuss. Uh, he discussed how the new Star Wars TV show will flesh out the bounty hunter's backstory. So pretty much exactly what you don't want, isn't it, Rich? <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's what uh, Disney is determined to do with yeah. like, all the characters. For some reason, Disney doesn't like um, mysterious characters. No, they've got to just... And every character must have a backstory. Well, partly that's a content thing. You know, they're like, you know, it's it's cool to have a mysterious backstory, but they look at it like, well, that's content. I can, I can do a series of films or comics or whatever. I, I could fill that up. I mean... Yeah, but, but, you know. but you have enough content in what he's doing right now. Sure. Like, you have content. If he's building a new empire or, um, you know, uh, uh, faction or crime syndicate or whatever, mm. that's, that's content right there. That's true. You can, you, you can be introducing new bounty hunters, new shenanigans and him taking out people and trying to like become the new, you know, kingpin of everything. I mean, there's con- that's content. You don't, yeah. I don't understand why that needs a backstory. I mean, to be fair, I mean, you get a little bit of backstory with, um, uh, uh, the, the Mandalorian, mm. uh, on, on like, uh, how he was found by it. But I mean, that's all you need. Mm. Yeah. Uh, did, what's his name? Dejarin or something like that. I don't know. Um, like you, you get okay. He was his planet was attacked. Uh, the the Mandalorians took him and he became a Mandalorian. Bang, done. <laughs> That's all I need because again, the story is the content is him with the kid. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, trying to find the, the, the he's trying to return the kid to the Jedi and getting shenanigans and adventures along the way. There's content, and other than just having that 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 snippet of this is how he became a Mandalorian, mm. they haven't really spent any real time on his past. Yeah. Because you don't need it. Yeah. Sometimes that mystery is good. What did he do before the kid? Does it matter? No, not particularly. You know, so I don't know. Again, Boba Fett, you just don't need that. You don't need that much backstory. I don't, like, if if it makes sense to have a backstory, sure. Like, if it's something really vitally important. But I know they're just going to fill it with. They're going to fill it with almost ads for other shows, it feels like, as well, you know? Oh, let's be let let's be honest. Like almost every single Disney show is an for the next show. Like let's <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Or the next movie, it's all it is. Yeah, it's, it's... one long. I almost feel like the Marvel movies are like one long ad. <laughs> if you put them all together. <laughs> no, I mean you you aren't wrong. I mean, there's a lot of like um yeah like oh wow like this is like gonna tease to this and like oh whoopie dude like imagine if and you're like yeah imagine if we got to the fucking movie where it matters like. And Actually, you, you, you do get there at times, but you know. You, you know what I'd love for them to do is I would love for them to do what the comics did back in the day. I want I want to be watching a show and I want make someone to make a reference to something, and then I want something to pop up on the screen to say to know what uh, Tony's talking about. Check yeah. out the show, duh, 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 episode seven. Oh, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think they're far away from that. I I really don't. When I look at like how Amazon have it, where you can. If you click on Amazon Prime as a show's playing and it has what every I, the IMDb page of every actor on the screen, you know I, I don't, don't I don't think I don't mind away. that though. I, I don't mind I mean, it, but I'm saying if they've got that technology, they're not going to be far away from what you're talking about. 
Um, I, well, again, I really... because everything's just so connected. Yeah. I just, I, I would just love for them to just go. You know what? Fuck it. We are basically like a monthly comic. Yeah. Or, or we're we're basically making visual comics. So let's just put in when a character makes a reference to a, a movie or a story, just fucking put it in there. Yeah. A little pop up that says, to know what he's talking about, check out the movie Avengers Endgame, or you know, check out Loki episode three or something yeah. like that. Just, just, just go full in. Just go full in with the shit. Oh yeah, it's it. We're not we're not far away from it at all. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, now this is interesting. Spider Man No Way Home still isn't completely finished. This was as of a few days ago. Uh, it's uh, the VHX. Special uh, effects. Um, sorry for yawning. Um, have not been fully completed. Uh, they will be delivered nearly two weeks before Spider Man No Way Home is set to premiere in theaters. The news comes with confirmations of the film's final runtime, which will clock in at 150 minutes long. So what's that, two and a half hours? So that's fairly long for a Spider-Man movie, and I'm looking forward to it. But um, are you are you kind of surprised that the special effects aren't in yet, Rich? Not really, because, I mean, again, because this was kind of a last-minute movie idea, uh, and Tom Holland has confirmed that there was quite a lot of rewrites oh. as okay. they were pretty much making the movie. Because, again, they were kind of making it up yeah on the fly to, to you know again to beat the flash movie so no i'm not surprised that they're still behind or or, or still working on things that doesn't surprise me no you're not surprised are you rich you're just you're basically saying yeah i, I expected this i saw it coming a long way off um fear the walking dead has been renewed for season eight and kim dickens the mother returns as a series regular and there was very much a, um, how can I say, uh, tease that she might have died earlier, but clearly not if she's coming back as a series regular. Um, and there was a controversial comment made uh, by one of the showrunners who said, if there was a Walking Dead Mount Deadmore, she'd be on the, on the mountain. And I was like, really? She would be on the mountain of Mount Deadmore? And Michelle said, maybe if it was a Fear the Walking Dead Mount Deadmore, she'd be on it. But the wider Walking Dead, I don't see this lady, you know, ending up on the on the mountain. Where are you, Rich, on it? Uh, sorry, everything you just said is gob- is gobbledygook. Really? Because you're not a well, fan. I, I, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never watched a single episode. Okay, she plays the mother, and then about four seasons in, she got killed off. It seemed she got killed off, but it wasn't one hundred percent confirmed. And um, and now she's coming back to the show, so clearly she's not killed off, and she's still alive. Hey, um, no one's no one's really dead in movies, TV shows, and uh, novels and comics until you see their head rolling down the street. Basically, even then, even then, yeah. <laughs> hey, soap operas always show, that was that was the body double. That was the body double. That was the that was the twin brother. Um, yeah, that was the so, clone. You know, no no one's ever truly dead. No, I hear you, man. Um, now Netflix's live action Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> has had a fairly tortured time since it got released. I've only heard people criticising it. It's been cancelled after one season. Did you watch the anime, Rich, and have you seen the live action? I did watch the anime many years ago. Mm. Uh, I wasn't super duper into it. Um, Mm. It it was okay, but I wasn't one of those hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when I saw the trailer for this live action thing, I I threw up in my mouth a little bit because it just looks so goddamn awful. Yeah. It's had nothing. Uh, yeah. There's been nothing but mixed. Like I'll I'll hear one person, one of my friends is like, "Oh, I'm actually pretty enjoying it," and then another one's like, "Fucking you know, hell, what garbage!" Like it's very mixed. 
like probably for every two people that hate it, there is one person that likes it. Yeah. Um, but again, you were never going to get the hardcore fans because you make too many changes to the characters um, yeah. and the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so again, if you've lost the hardcore fans and you're like, okay, well, hopefully we'll make it up with the the normies. Well, you've got to make a good show still. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know. Well, yeah. And the problem is, is I think that the, uh, what's that guy's name? Is it Stephen Chow? Yeah. Stephen Choi? I think he's just too old for the lead part, unfortunately, because Spike in the TV show is much, much younger. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would be maybe in his late twenties. Totally. I've seen maybe about 30, but I mean, he's, I think he's in his forties, this guy. Right. Uh, And so he just looks too old for the part. And then, as I said, the one thing that did make me laugh about the show, right. And, and it just, again, because I just love the hypocrisy when when it, when it comes to like certain people in like media and all that sort of stuff is that when they cast Scarlett Johansson uh-huh. as um uh, the lead in um, Ghost in the Shell, Ghost in the Shell, everyone is up in arms. Oh, there was a, there was an know? outcry for some reason. I forget why, but there was just an outcry. Well, it, again, it was only an outcry from Western audiences. Yeah, it was ridiculous uh, because. When they went, I actually, there was an, a Japanese guy who actually, uh, in Japan, he was like, I'm going to go on the street and mm. just ask random people mm. what they think of the Scarlett Johansson casting. Mm. And literally every single one of them, like, especially the young girls squealed and said, oh, it's perfect. She's so beautiful. She's so pretty. Yeah. So you have to remember, like, for <sighs> Japanese people get enough of their own media. Yeah, I, I really didn't understand why there was such outrage you know, about like it. Like, J- Japan makes live-action anima- adaptations of their own anime. Yeah. So if a, a Hollywood studio wants to cast a, a, a white person or whatever, the Japanese don't care. They have their own media and their own movies and their own live adaptations. They don't... They've got plenty of their own stuff. They, they don't Please. need ours. So they were all excited. They were like, oh, she's so pretty. She's so perfect. And so... Every, but anyway, all the Western was like, oh, it's terrible, whitewashing, it should be Asian, all that. And then this movie comes out, and oh. they make one of the characters called Jet Black. They actually make him black. Right. <laughs> and then um, Faye, right. they make a Latino woman. Right. And and these same people who were becrying and bemoaning uh, the scholarly handsome come out and go, perfect casting. Absolute perfect. That's, you know, that they nailed the casting. I was like, what? I thought you, like, just a few years ago said... It has to be Japanese, that right. they had to get Asian actors. And right. now right. you say it's absolutely fine to take an Asian, as you say, an Asian character, mm. black or Hispanic. I just, the hypocrisy amazes me. It is very hypocritical. Well, I mean, let's face it, Rich, like, in all honesty, they're chasing their own tail a lot of the time. Like, they're never happy. So, you know. But again, basically. I think, you know, what? stop making live live action adaptations of, of stuff, honestly, because mm. why do you need to? Like my friend, one of my friends, he was like, "Oh yeah, but it's different medium." I go, "No, it's not. Well, it it's is. a visual. No, no, it's a visual medium. Right. Whether you are watching the anime show or the live action, it's sure. the same. It's supposed to be the same story, but but if you had it your way, we would never have gotten like Wolverine and the X Men or whatever, or Superman or something, because it was like you know comics and no, cartoons. It's a different medium, but it was comics cartoons. Still, but it was cartoons. Still picture though. But it was cartoons no, but, then, you know. No, 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 no. Cartoons to... is different though. Okay. Um, How it, different it, to anime? No, no. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. The X Men cartoon that they made hmm. in no way was anywhere based on the X Men movies. Right. It was two different stories. 
Sure. With with different characters. Same characters though, Wolverine and Cyclops and all that. Yes, but my point is if you're just taking the anime and reshooting it. Yeah. Live action, that's pointless to me because you're just telling the exact same story that's already been told. Sure. It's the same. I shake my head when Disney goes, we're doing a live adaptation of Beauty and the Beast and all that because I'm like, but you've already told that story. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You're just giving me the same characters and the same story in live action form. That's why I prefer it. This is just my personal preference. All it is. I prefer how kind of like i prefer how marvel do it when they do it well where they might take the concept and then they do their own spin on it and just pick bits and pieces from the comics rather than saying we're gonna do watchmen shot for shot which is kind of what um but again i don't actually no i don't have a problem with you doing a shot for 300 or watchmen you don't because then you're taking a still picture right and changing it to a moving picture okay so you're retelling the story in a different format. I see. But if I take an animation and it's the same characters now with just different voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're playing the same character and they're telling the same story. Well, that's just redundant. Yeah, but don't they then get pushed back when people say they're not faithful enough to the source material when they do their own versions, you know? Because that happens as well, where they, where they yeah, but- you know, take their own path. They don't, you know, always do it shot for shot from the anime. And then they have the fans going, it's not the same. You know, it's it's a, it's uh, a travesty. You know what? I mean, unless you completely change it, it's any slight tweaks you make, it's still the same story at the end of the day. It's still going to the same conclusion. Okay. I mean, unless you change it. Yeah. I mean, if you, unless you were to take Cowboy Bebop and say, right, we're taking the characters and telling our own story. Yes. Okay, fair enough. Then I could see it as maybe a, a spin-off or a continuation. But if you're literally telling the same story with the same beats and the same conclusions, well, I just feel like that's a fucking waste of money. Well, regardless, it got cancelled after one season, so it clearly wasn't popular. And, I mean, I saw a fair bit of feedback just from my own, you know, circles that was all negative. Um, I, I, I've only seen a couple of episodes of Cowboy Bebop, and, but I know people who are hardcore fans of the anime who were just horrified with what, with what it was, you know? Well, again, the live action cannot compete with anime. Yeah. Like, anime is the, like, their animation, their action, their shots and all that, live action cannot compete with anime. I'm sorry. Not even the Japanese live action can compete with the anime. It's, yeah. it's just not, it's just not the same. Mm. Um, if you were going to recommend Ghost in the Shell, like anime movie, w- w- which one would you recommend? Like, to just a newbie who was like, I want to watch some Ghost in the Shell. Uh... I'm not a Ghost in the Shell fan. Okay. I guess the first one's fine. If if you want a recommendation for me, though, yes. of anime movies, obviously there is the classic Akira, which is fantastic. I've seen that. But I've seen that. I'll give you another good one. It's called Ninja Scroll. I've seen that, too. Yeah, that's good. Ninja Scroll is the bomb. That's one of my favorite anime movies. It is a very good movie. I've seen that one, too. That's an, yeah, an older one. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Um, yeah, that is a good one, actually. Um, but there's got to be some other really good like you know that i oh no there is but that is my favorite yeah like, okay uh I, I, below that is akira i mean don't get me wrong akira is beautiful but ninja scroll just hits me in the right spot ninja scroll is a great movie it's fantastic mm-hmm. um okay so then we had spinning the wheel um did you catch the latest episode of wheel of time rich uh yes luckily i i woke up afterwards just in time to do the show and what did you think take us through the last episode that you saw pretty boring wow i was struggling to stay awake so what happened in this episode, Rich? 
So finally, everyone fucking gets to the White Tower. <laughs> um, and then there's just a lot of fucking backstabbing and bitchiness and um, and crap going on. And then they they get the darkness out of Matt. Okay. And, and then when they go to the doorway, whatever, Matt just goes, fuck you guys, bye. And, and leaves them as they travel through. He's like, fuck you guys, I'm staying here. Where's he um, staying? Where's he staying? When, when you say... Here, where? Well, they they went through some doorway to get to some realm, oh, where, right. where the dark one is, um, is uh, being held uh, prisoner. Ah, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and Matt makes a joke. He's like, "Oh, is it too late to like opt out?" And they're like, "Ha ha ha ha, good one, Matt." And then they walk through the doorway, and then they realize, "Hang on, where's Matt?" And they turn around, and he's just standing there looking at them, going, ah, "Fuck you guys." Really? Okay, so a, a betrayal. Well, yeah, who knows? I mean, there's so much betrayal in this fucking show. I think I finally realized why I'm struggling to connect with this show. Oh. Um, it, it is still the seesaw, right? It's still oh. like, sometimes I don't know where the 10 million goes per yeah. episode because when they introduce that ogre, or as they like to pronounce yes, it in this... ogre, whatever. Ogre, or ogre, or something like that. <laughs> that is some of the cheapest fucking makeup and, and, and cosmetics I have ever seen. I have seen better stuff in like an old 90s shitty tv farscape you know um i i think i've seen something better in like the hercules and uh xena <laughs> well i love those you love tv Zena. shows yeah. like that was the worst i thought to myself 10 million and that's the best ogre or ogre like um <laughs> makeup and special effects you could do that looked pitiful it just yeah. looked like a guy yeah it, you know it was a uh, with a with a prosthetic nose and weird hair it, it wasn't great like it looked like dark, that was yeah. pretty terrible but I finally figured out another reason. I'm just struggling to connect with the show a little bit. I don't connect with anyone. I don't like anyone. You don't like Rand? No, Rand I find to be very bland. <laughs> um, what about the Warden? You know, the Warden, he's one of my favorite characters. Not really. It's it's that typical uh, I'm the I'm the tough silent yeah, stern tough, guy. I mean, it's nothing it's nothing you haven't seen before. And uh, the guy with the wolf powers, what's his name? Perrin. Perrin, he just comes across like some dumb, like, oaf man. Right. You know, like like his mouth always like almost a gape, like he doesn't quite know what's going on. Mm. Matt's just a scumbag. Yeah. Um, he's just a weasel. And <laughs> what's, the chick, what's the girl's name? I forget what her name is, but I know, I know the girl. Anyway, again, bland. Yeah. Like and, and the other one, the the one fifth member, um, just I don't know, like you, that chip on her shoulder, Roseman Pike. Oh, you mean that? You mean the 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 wisdom? Yeah, wisdom, whatever her name was. Just mm. like what, like so. I, I just feel like her decision making is sometimes so stupid. Yeah. Um, and then again, Roseman Pike. Like I'm like, yeah. I mean, I like her as an actress. I've liked her in movies and all that, but uh, her character's not really connecting me with me in any way that I'm like rooting for or anything like that. Yeah. And um uh the one character I did like was his uh Tom Maryland. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. gone already. So I'm like, okay. The one character I was connecting with and I like is gone for w- now. Was he killed I, off or I I he well we don't know. Yeah. He was left battling the what's they called the Fae? Yes. Yeah. Um and so the we fade. don't quite know his and I don't even know if he's a good guy or not. Like he could literally be playing them. Mm. The Fade guys. Oh. Is that who he was fighting? Those Fade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the previous um, 
episode and or with the previous one. Uh, but I think that's what it is. Is that I'm not connecting with any of the characters. You know what I mean? I'm not mm. finding a, a like a, oh I like this person and I'm invested in their yeah story or their character arc. Um, but Jesus Christ, those those Isodine are real bitchy, eh? Oh yeah. Big what time. a bunch of bitches! Like seriously, I mean, uh, you know what? I had to laugh. It wasn't in this episode; it was in the last episode mm. uh, because I was an episode behind, but yes. I am caught up now. Mm. Um, I love that there's a woman, the the, the blonde woman, right, uh, with the really really big head for some the, reason. The red, the red acid eye. Yeah, I know the chicken man. Yeah, um, Leandro. I, I love think. that. I love that in a world where men re- don't have any power, right? Like. Mm. Uh, magic power or anything, there's still a woman complaining about the power that men have. <laughs> well, she's complaining about uh, when they did wield the power, you know, and they broke the no, world. No, but she's still now, she's like, even though we wield men still have all the power. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Come on. <laughs> like, honestly, like, you literally have all the magic power. You are like, people like worship you, respect you, mm. you're feared amongst the land. Are you still really bitching about the power because there's still male kings and shit? Like, well, that's the character, though. That's in the books. No, but I'm just saying, I still think it's funny that in a world where women literally have the power, mm. there's still a woman complaining about the power that men have. I just find that funny. I just find it... Mm. Whether, I, know, I understand that's the character. She hates men, but I just think it's funny mm-hmm. that she's still complaining about power that men have, even though they got all the magic. No, I hear, um, you. I hear you, dude. But... Yeah, like, uh, it's a pretty shitty world, this world. Um, the people from the, the light guys, they seem to be scumbags as well. Oh, they're awful. They're the ice guys seem to be scumbags as well. Like, oh, everyone just seems that. to be scumbags. I wouldn't say that. The Aes just have a difficult job. Uh, no, I feel like the Aes like, look down on people. Um, I, from the sounds of it, like, a lot of them are, are, are leaning towards that red Aes woman oh. and, and agreeing with her that, like, they should be the one like to, to, like um uh, uh running things and and just like meting out punishment and well, if you and... think about the um real middle ages and the power of the church and the politicking of the church which is clearly a bit of a commentary on no no, no but what i'm the... saying is that both of these the, the, those warriors of light people i said supposed to be the good guys yeah but yeah. both of them are shit no they're just really just shit people <laughs> Well, I, I mean, yeah, it's a complicated world, these buildings. So it's going to be very interesting how it all pays off. But, um, yeah, no, I, mean, I mean, yeah, at least at least it's worth, worthy content. You know, at least there's some stuff going on that's worthy to talk about.
Nicolas Cage is to star as Dracula in the Universal monster movie Renfield, and Renfield was the sidekick. Hang on, hang on, Dave. I've done all the talking and spinning of the wheel. You didn't spin your wheel. No, because I haven't seen that episode yet. Um, oh my god! Dave. That's why I that's why I made you do the whole story of, of it all because oh, okay. I wanted to find out. I've I've watched up until that episode, but I didn't get a chance to watch it today because I was quite busy. Um, unfortunately, and just, I just did not get a chance to sit down and watch it. But we will watch it over the weekend. Um, and I do try to watch the episode that drops on Friday for the Friday night show, but I just didn't get a chance. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I look, I'm enjoying it. I, but I, some of your criticisms though, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I, it's not a perfect show by any means. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm interested in it. You know, well, actually, you know when, what I was saying now will probably make a bit more sense once you watch. I don't remember. Cause I remember I read the book to the first, um, you know, series. Oh, they've made a fair bit of, ch- according to people, they've made a fair bit of changes. Yes, they have. Um, but I read the book, the first book, like 30 years ago. So I don't remember the part where Matt leaves. Um, well, he doesn't leave. He kind of, uh, he doesn't go, he's supposed to go through with the door with him. Yes. But he doesn't. And then the door closes. Right. See, and I don't remember that part at all. So, yeah. yeah but again, that could be a change to the book. It might be. I mean, you know, but I uh, definitely will watch it. And um, I certainly, you know, bring back Tom Maryland, please. <laughs> yeah, I remember that character. Yeah, um, he was cool. Now, what do you think about Nicolas Cage playing Dracula? I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a comedy, is it? I would think probably. Um, I would, it would have to be. I can't take Nicolas Cage seriously. He's going to ham it up, surely. You'd think. Oh, that's all he knows how to do now. Yeah. Yeah. No. You, you know, think- like, he's become like Al Pacino 
in that they've basically become the caricature of themselves. Right, yeah. Well, I would say Nicolas Cage is more guilty than Al Pacino. Like, oh, but Al Pacino is now is he's he's like you know how like how people used to make fun of Al Pacino with that. He's literally become that guy now. Who are? Like if, if, yeah, if you watch him in interviews and stuff, he's um he's become the the, the caricature. Of what, like when they when they did their over the top versions of him. Yeah. Who? Movies. He's literally become that guy. Oh well. I mean, I love Al Pacino. God bless him. You know. Um. You know, he's he he does different accents actually as well as he uh, through his career. You know, he he speaks in different ways. Brilliant actor, though, Al Pacino. I, I think they've all just amalgamated into one person. <laughs> so, what's your favourite Al Pacino movie? If you have to pick one, I've got one. Have you got a favourite? The Heat. Heat, yeah, I was going to say Heat. Heat, heat is uh, an all-time classic. I'm also very fond of Dog Day Afternoon. I think it's a very good movie. Um, but uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Heat's It's a Spike great. Lee movie, isn't it? Uh, no, it's uh, Sydney. It? No, it's back in the seventies. I want to say Sydney. Oh, okay. Polak, I want to say Sydney Pollack may have directed it. Could be wrong. There. Okay. Um, I thought Spike Lee did a movie with Al Pacino. Maybe I'm misremembering. Not that I remember, but he might have, especially in his later years. Um, Dog Day Afternoon. Let's let's type it in. And I, I think it was. I want to say Sydney Pollack, but I, I could be wrong. Um, Dog Day Afternoon, nineteen seventy five. Uh, directed by Sydney Lumet, uh, L-U-M-E-T. So I knew it was a Sydney someone. Uh, yeah, no, excellent movie. But Heat is an absolute classic. That was a Michael Mann movie, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. Right. So you were you were talking about Inside Man. So that's a that's a um a Spike Lee movie, is it? I don't even remember that being a Spike Lee movie. Can, can you? Yeah, got... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very good movie. Yeah, I love movies like that. I've seen it like, but I've seen it like so long ago that I can barely remember it. Um, another good movie was The Insider. Ever seen that? Uh, I'm trying to remember what that is now. It's a, it's a good film. Uh, you, you'd 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 probably enjoy it. Like, um, it's a good movie. Um, it's about like smoking and stuff, and like the smoking. Oh, industry. that's with Russell Crowe. Isn't yes, it? yeah. Yeah, 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 and, and Al Pacino. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a good one. Is is Al Pacino in Inside Man? I don't even remember him being in it. No, not uh, the Insider. Yeah, he's in the Insider, right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's not in Inside Man. That Inside Man is Denzel Washington. Yes, yeah, and I've se- I've seen that actually. And, that's uh, a good Clive movie. Owen. Yeah, you know, it's a good one, a very good one actually. Um, yeah, I saw that in cinemas actually uh, back in the day. Now, The Walking Dead finally explained the zombie origin. Uh, this was in The Walking Dead, The World Beyond, the one spin-off that Michelle and I just can't be bothered to watch of The Walking Dead franchise. We sort of drew the line at that one. Um, though it was French scientists who designed The Walking Dead's virus, it's obvious the researchers had no intention of releasing it to population, but World Beyond's post credit sequence also hints at how the infection wriggled its way out. While the smoking man blames Primson... Primrose and Violet teams for creating the virus, the scientist makes an accusation of her own, vaguely stating, when it happened, when it, the outbreak happened, when you did what you did. Though there's plenty of room for interpretation here, she could be implying the smoking man was part of a group who, pre The Walking Dead Season 1, learned about the virus being developed and attacked the facility, only to accidentally release it, making both parties culpable. 
um, pretty interesting, uh, you know. But it's funny because Robert Kirkman always said they will never do the origin of the virus, and obviously he left the show and everything and went to Amazon, you know, a few seasons ago, and and now they're you know like now they're sort of like wheeling out the storyline. Um, Again, it's it's when you run out of content. Yeah. That's oh, when yeah. you start going. Oh well, let's start. You know, delving into the backstory then, because we gotta, we gotta give, we gotta do something. Yeah. I, look, I don't mind it sometimes, but um, but I don't know. Like for me, I'm like, if you could link it to an exciting story, I'd be more interested. Uh, but we'll see. Um, now you've got some news here on TSR. What's happening? Yeah. So uh, TSR is apparently suing mm. Wizards of the Coast. Owned by Hasbro, um, yeah, owned by Hasbro. Over, the over their disclaimer on the old content that was originally produced by TSR. So right. the older content made by TSR, like the Oriental yes. Adventures and all that sort of stuff that you love, they've basically put disclaimers on all that old stuff with the TSR logo on the cover still so that people know that it's associated with TSR, basically saying this stuff is super racist and super sexist. Right. You're a bad person for liking it. And it was wrong then and it's wrong now and we don't Jesus. endorse the stuff. And what TSR is saying is that by them doing that and keeping the TSR logo on it, right? since TSR has relaunched its company, that that's actually hurting TSR because it's basically like, um, not kind of like defamation or... Sort of poisoning the well a bit. Yeah. 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 Basically, that, and uh, apparently, people who have worked for TSR and even the older TSR are saying that, like, because their names are on that stuff, with that stuff, basically saying the person who wrote this was racist. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or sex misogynist. That they are like people are not wanting to hire them or I want to get with them and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah. Well, fuck Wizards of the Coast with their bullshit. Like they're only doing that because that guy did that fucking twenty-six episode podcast about Oriental Adventures and how bad we all are for liking it. You know. Um. It got me started in, in, in interest in, in Japanese culture, frankly, and I just don't care what that guy thinks. Um, well, you know, but we've had that conversation where, uh, what, again, like this isn't meant to be historically accurate, and it's also yeah, really it's fantasy, and it's really it's but but it's also not for you as necessarily an Asian person. Sure. It's it is more for the Western market, but again, you already know your Asian culture, your Asian history, but for a lot of Western people, this is what. Like stuff like that is where their love of maybe Asian culture or history might come from. Totally, I know. You for know, me, as again, know. same for me. My my fascination with ancient China mm. um, came from uh, the video game Dynasty Warriors. Yep. When I found out that Dynasty Warriors was actually based on real events and people, well, I immediately went to go looking it up, and I found the books and the the stuff and all that, and I bought the books, and I've I you know I've read the books repeatedly and all that. And that then got me interested in even the older stuff that's older than that period with the Three Kingdoms. Right. You know what I mean? I, I even started looking into the first emperor of China. I, I've you got know, a that's question the guy for you. With the terracotta warriors and all that sort of stuff. What what um, period in history is that? Like, when does the uh, when do, like in terms of BC? Is that BC? I guess it would be, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, because I'm. I, I mean, I, I assume the Chinese um, empire stretches way it's, back. It's it's yeah it's before it's BC it's a couple of hundred years before BC mm. but again what I'll just give people a little snippet of why I find this sort of stuff so fascinating so do you know why he built the terracotta warriors? No idea. Okay. It, it's something about reaching the netherworld or something. 
Okay, so a lot of people said, oh, it's to take his army with him, you know, or to protect his tomb and all that sort of shit. Mm. The real reason was he was trying to figure out a way um, to live forever, right? Mm -hmm. Because he um, he had killed so many people mm. and he, he basically kept having these like dreams or these, these nightmares that all the ghosts, you know, were sort of waiting for him. Mm. So um, uh, he was trying to live forever and he's... Um, these medicine guys, these doctors, they prescribed him um, mercury. Mm -hmm. He was actually eating mercury balls. Wow. And that was literally like fucking up his brain. He started seeing ghosts of people that he killed and all that sort of stuff. And he started becoming a little bit more mental. And so he actually created the Terracotta Warriors so that he would have an army with him in the afterlife to protect him and fight the people that he had killed in real life who were waiting to get their revenge on him when he, when he right, yeah. went to the afterlife. But again, like you knew that he built it to like the afterlife because you know that, you know, they believe, but it was the why. Yeah. Like that would, when I found that out, that truly fascinated me and all that sort of stuff. So, so again, what period is that? Is that, is that, is that, is that timeline similar to say Alexander the Great? Like what, you know, what period in history is that? Well, Chinese. well, if it's, if it's, if it's a couple hundred years BC, then that would be about 2000 ish years, I think. Right. Ago. Right. Okay. Um, so maybe. I mean, how how long how long ago was Alexander the Great? I think it was. He was like around two hundred BC or something. something so it could like. be around about yeah, around about the same time. If it's about say two thousand years ago. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. All that, so, but yeah, I just find again, what got me into that? A actual video game mm. about a bunch of fucking Chinese warriors kicking the shit out of each other. So here we go. Uh, was buried with the emperor around 210 to 209 BCE, which is BC. So, yeah, I think that would be roughly around that. Let's let's have a look at Alexander. So keep that in mind, Rich. You've got that 209, and let's let's type in Alexander the Great and see when he was around. Because I'm guessing he was around in 200 or 300 BC, around 200 probably. Uh, Alexander the Great. Oh no, he was around in 356. Yeah, so it was quite a good 100 years before. Yeah, and he died in 323 BC, so about 100 years before. Because I was going to say, he never made it to China, did he? He got to India. Um, He got to India. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got to India and fought some elephants and stuff. Pretty interesting stuff, man. Um, Yeah. But again, I, but again, what, it was a game that got me into that, just like it was a sure. tabletop game, mm. the books, that got you into, you know, loving Samurais. basically samurai and you know uh the, the oriental sort of like culture fortresses and, man. And the, the fortresses and all that. so i'm just yeah. saying like you know when you when you say things like that mm. you're looking at it from a different perspective than we are because we're looking at it from um a perspective of fascination sure. and intrigue you may be looking at a fa you know you as an asian person you may look at that and go oh that's inaccurate that's totally wrong it's like yeah but it's not that's it's not also fantasy though it's a fantasy version of it yeah, you know? yeah, but I'm just saying it, it's you, depending on your culture and I guess what the subject matter is, it, it's going to change how you look at it. Gotcha. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but he also needs to understand the it's different perspective and how someone from a different culture would look at that. They wouldn't look at that and go, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to I'm going to get invested in Oriental Adventures because I'm racist and I hate. No, God, no. Asian people. You know what I mean? Like, that's a really bizarre way. I want to get Zeb Cook. I want to get Zeb Cook, who wrote Oriental Adventures, even though his name's not, not on the book because Gary Gygax got his name on the book. But Zeb Cook wrote it. He's an acclaimed game designer. 
um, and he worked has worked for like the last almost decade on the Elder Scrolls Online game. Um, if we could get him on Signal, that would be a key goal of mine. I should reach out to him. Um, I, I have briefly chatted to him, I believe, on, on Twitter like once or twice. But if we could get him on the show to talk about his career and his time with TSR and, and all that kind of stuff and all that other stuff as well that he's done, because he's worked on a lot of different properties, I think that would be really interesting um, for sure. Uh, now, I had some news flashes because, you know me, I'm obsessed with the past. I, I love history. Um, it was all about the Neanderthals. Uh, with muscular builds and superior low-light vision, which a lot of people don't realise, Neanderthals were devastating warriors in close-quarters combat. Uh, war leaves a subtler mark in the form of territorial boundaries. The best evidence that Neanderthals not only fought but excelled at war is they met us, i.e. Um, humans, homo sapiens, and weren't immediately overrun. Instead, for around 100,000 years, Rich, Neanderthals resisted modern human expansion. Why else would we take so long to leave Africa? Not because the environment was hostile, but because Neanderthals were already thriving in Europe and Asia. Bang, Rich. This is from new, some new studies and some new discoveries they've found. Um, it turns out the Neanderthals lasted for longer than you would expect. Yeah, I would. Well, that's the thing. I don't believe that they were wiped out. I just think at some point, yes, a lot of them were wiped out, but I think some of them just sort of mingled. Sure. Yeah. Single and mingle. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they, they were fighting humans, man. Like, these Neanderthals didn't go down easily, dude. You know, like, they, they had fucking spears and rocks and shit and, like, you know, clubs. And would they have spears? I guess they have spears. They could put, like, rocks on spears. Well, anything, can, any stick can be a spear. Yeah, true. true. But I don't, they, they're clearly not uh, mastered. Um, like bows and arrows. Uh, metal smithing. No. And that's probably what put pay to them in the end, don't you think? The inevitable genocide, eventually. You know, okay. they were probably driven to almost extinction and the fringes of society when eventually the humans managed to gather together and maybe get some swords going and uh, stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm honestly, I don't believe we were that different from Neanderthals, and I think Neanderthals did survive, which is why you get such different types of people in the world. Oh, I think there's certain people in the world that are descended from Neanderthals and others from Oh jeez, Homo sapien, honestly. Well, I don't know about that, Rich. That's a that's no, a controversial. Some take. people's no, 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 no. I'm not talking about race or anything, David. Right. I'm talking about personality. Gotcha. Yeah. I, no, I'm I about how some people are just more genetically. aggressive, more like yeah, like well, they, they and shit, like yeah. like more more willing to throw a fist, whereas others are a bit more right willing to like maybe talk shit or diffuse the situation i clearly i just think there's some blood of that still around well there would have been some commingling for sure of course there would have been like even if it was like you know raping and stuff there would have been some of that like there would have definitely been some commingling of the two you know cultures even if they were at constant war with each other which they probably would have been because they're trying to assert their dominance in a prehistoric society i mean it's gonna come to blows you know that's just the way the it was kind of thing we're, we're not that far away from it now um yeah it's interesting stuff i love this kind of stuff I, we really need to get the time machines going and really ask the big questions um what about this rich i want to get your response to this because i am very underexcited. and you know how i like to get excited for stuff the penguin is getting his own hbo max show with colin farrell reprising his role for the batman spin-off and i'm just like really like do we need this What's your reaction, couldn't, Rich? Couldn't care less. 
Yeah, I'm sort of like that as well. I, I, and I like Colin Farrell. And I'm just like, really? Like, do we have to have this? Like, I don't know. I just I just feel like it's just not necessary, basically. <laughs> also, again, stop announcing shit before a movie's even come out. True. Very the movie point. could absolutely fucking bomb. Yep. Very true, Rich. Now, something very close to your heart are some Battle Chasers news, Rich. Do you want to, do you want to read this stuff out? Well, it's news. Mm. There's nothing concrete, sadly. Right. So the uh, Joe uh, Madeira's Battle Chasers mm-hmm. has been picked up uh, by Alcon Television. Uh, they've got the rights now, and mm-hmm. um, they're looking to do a TV adaptation, which I assume would be live action. I don't know if it would be animated live action, but uh, considering that it's... Um, it's done by um, the John Wick. Oh, okay. Uh, Andrew Kosove. Mm-hmm. Uh, leads me to believe that it might be a live action. Well, it says here live action fantasy series adaptation. That's what it says. Uh, again, but they haven't started anything, so my point is that could change. Yeah, sure. So, but clearly they are leaning towards that because they got again they got the the guy that created John Wick, mm. or one of the creators. Uh, no, sorry, what's it, Derek Colstead? And you're a huge fan of Battle Chasers, aren't you? Mm. You know, you're, I remember you were massive into this stuff. This is the same I, guy. I, I even did the um, the the Kickstarter for the game. Okay, right. And what was the game like? Any good? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a it was like a classic, um, old fashioned uh, uh, turn based RPG. You know, where your characters line up. Yeah. And they square off, and then each one takes a turn based on their, their speed and all that. But, oh, my God, the, the the animation and the graphics on it were really beautiful. Cool. And he also did the Darksiders games, didn't he? Yeah, love those too. Yeah, they were good. I enjoyed those. Um, now, how about this? China's U-2 rover uh, captured a cube-shaped object on the horizon of the far side of the moon that the Chinese National Space Administration Outreach Channel is caught describing as a mystery hut. You will get closer in about two to three Earth months to get a better look. Do we believe China on this? Or what is this aliens? What is this, Rich? A mystery hut. Could this just I mean, be a Chinese? At the moment, thing? it's a nothing burger. Well, it, well, it's got to be something, Rich. I'm thinking it's either a US or China installation on the moon. I, Why yeah. does it have to be something? Because China said so. Well, so you're saying that it's all just propaganda? I mean, there were images of it showing. What I think is so fascinating today is 20 years ago, if governments came out and said they saw things in the sky, people would be losing their shit. Now no one seems to give a shit. I care. I care. No, but I'm saying in general. You know what I mean? It's like if you go like, you know, that's why X-Files was so popular. Yeah. You know, what the hype. But now governments can literally come and go, look at this weird shit that we saw in the sky. And people go, eh, who cares? Why do you think it's that amazing. is? I just think it's fascinating. But why do you think that is? Like lack of trust in the government? But, you know, lack of trust is just that people, I, I think people have just moved on. Like I, I think people are like living so much on their, their phones or their tablets mm. that they don't actually really care about the, um, the grander world anymore. Really? It's just my opinion. I mean, mm. I, I could be completely wrong, but I just think people just scrolling through news, they don't really stop to actually like, contemplate I, I, i'm always up for an alien 
<laughs> Sorry, oh, I'm always. Trust up. me, I know you are. That's why you. <laughs> that's why you always put one in. I'm, every I'm week. always up for an alien story of any kind. And when I saw, but I don't trust China. I don't trust China as far as I could throw them. I don't trust their fucking propaganda machine and their newspapers and all the shit they pump out. So it's to me, it's asking more questions than there are answers. That they're saying there's a mystery heart. What aren't they telling us? And also, why the fuck is it taking them two to three months? As if. As if. If they wanted to investigate this, they've already done so. You know? Um, so, I, unfortunately, I don't believe the source. I believe the source is very, very, uh, how can I say, unsort of trustworthy. You know, that's, that's, that's my main concern. Um, yeah, but, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll keep watching. I just, I just wonder why so many of the governments are even releasing these weird photos and videos and stuff. I'm wondering what they're trying to, um, there's got to be some reason behind it. What's the angle? That's my question. What's the angle? What are you trying to do? Did you think governments were trying to keep that, um, hush hush? Well, that's right. But, but maybe they're trying to smear the other party that's that's where i'm going that, yeah but that's what i'm saying i'm just curious as to what the actual angle is that could be an angle mm. but i'm just curious as to what is the what is the actual angle man we need to go so deeper into this you know we need to stay on this story constantly from from now on this is the story rich and you know what it could be it, it reminds me of that um the batman um issue i don't remember which issue it was where mm. it, uh, batman says that he goes onto message boards and posts things that bruce wayne is batman yes yeah because you know if uh it, it deflects oh yeah you know you know oh, if, yeah. if people are saying that then they go oh, that's ridiculous and i think that's almost maybe that's what the governments are doing i don't say no look at these weird shit people go oh it couldn't be real if they shown it to us and that way they i believe getting people to like not care well if you remember, well, they secretly hide in, like, or it is actual footage or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And oh, yeah. Using that as a way to, like, get people to go, oh, it's clearly not real. The government wouldn't release it if it was real, so it can't be real. Meanwhile, the government's like, oh, it is actually real, and you just think it's not. Well, Rich, I've said this myself. Now, if you recall, about five, six years ago, maybe seven years ago, I believe there was a TV show called The Fleet. I think that was the name of it. And it was about it was about aliens that crash landed during the Second World War, I believe in Russia. And I said at the time, I look, I said at the time, we know for a fact they crash landed. We know that the government's putting out this stuff to basically do what you're saying, to show it as fiction when really it was fact. And the person I said to it at the time said, "Slow down, Dave." You know. Oh, I was going to say. I mean, I you used the word fact, <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, I mean, but but they're doing what you're saying. Fact is a strong word, though. No, I I wonder that sort of stuff, but I don't say anything is a fact. Oh, I think it's real, man. I think it's very real, and you know, and they know it too. And the Chinese, I mean, I don't trust the U.S. government with this kind of stuff, but I certainly don't trust the Chinese government with this kind of stuff either. You know, you know, (laughs) sorry, makes me laugh. Every time you like say like it's a fact that aliens have been here, or it's a fact that there's like birthing chambers, I was my mind always goes to the Princess Bride, yeah. Where what, the the phrase that pops in my head is it goes, "You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means." <laughs> <laughs> well, you know we've got to have someone asking the questions, Rich. 
We've yeah, got to have some... but, but yeah, you're supposed to ask the questions, but in your mind, it's already a fact. So the, the question is almost like not even necessary for you because in your mind, it's a fact. We'll see what happens. We'll stay on this story. Uh, but, but I need another outlet than a Chinese news outlet because <laughs> there's one thing I don't believe is a Chinese news outlet. You know? Um, I, don't trust, I don't trust any government. Yeah. PlayStation is finally getting its own version of Game Pass. I thought they had one. I mean, no, both companies had their um, free monthly games. Right. Um, I do know. I think they were trialing one at something or, uh, or they had, no, sorry, it wasn't a Game Pass. It was like a. I've got like PlayStation um, Now or something or Plus or something. Yeah, yeah, PlayStation Now, but I think there was like an emulator or something. Right. Uh, where you could get access to older games or something like that. But I mean, uh, I don't think it included anything new. Their game, their game Pass or PlayStation Now, I don't think it included any of the new games. No, it's older stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Older stuff that you can't play these old, uh, uh, old console stuff. Mm, okay. Well, I mean, it's about time they caught up with Xbox when it comes to that, though, isn't it? Xbox. Have got... Oh yeah, man. The Game Pass is a phenomenal. Um, it's a phenomenal deal. I literally just downloaded, and I love that it it, it it's both PC and um, uh, Xbox mm. because there's games that I really like playing on the PC and not the Xbox and the game I literally just downloaded the other day was uh, Evil Genius 2 oh that's a classic and I've been having a lot of fun playing that so that just came to Game Pass and that came out on the computer and the PC so yeah I love that the Game Pass is on both PC and and Xbox because I like playing strategy games and, and certain RPGs on the computer and then other ones I prefer to play on the uh, you know your more action orientated button mashes I prefer to play on the the, the console and all that so I love it I love that I can play my game pass on, on PC or Xbox whatever I'm in the movie we've, we've got to play some Back for Blood at some point Rich yeah 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 we do I actually played a bit of it the other day it was fucking super hard but apparently it wasn't meant to be that hard uh, the developer said that they began to lower because the, <laughs> the special zombies were spawning too much right okay yeah like right. we, were, we were just getting fucking decimated because it just keeps when these things smack you around and, and like grab you and we were just like oh my god this game is so difficult and then we found out that uh like a week or two later the game and said ah yeah that's a bug like it's not supposed to be <laughs> it's not supposed to be that hard so wow okay hopefully they hopefully they fixed that now um henry cavill was on graham norton and he was talking about warhammer and how he paints all his models and graham norton thought it was world of warcraft but henry cavill explained it's actually warhammer and he's really into the models and setting them up and playing the games and everything He's really into yeah, it. Yeah, apparently, apparently, Tom Holland says he wants to play Warhammer with. Uh, he said that. Henry Cavill. Well, they're all buddy buddy, you know. Um, I, I, I like Henry Cavill that he's such a massive nerd, and but I suppose when you're that good looking and that buff, and that rich, you sure. can you you can be very open about your weird nerd shit, and women won't run away. Well, exactly. Yeah, I don't think he's struggling for that. Um, no. Now you've got something here about Marvel. Of what's a murder comic? So, I, have you are you familiar with uh, X Men Green? No. Okay. So, X Men Green is a story that they've just done recently, which has, um, kind of like uh, disturbed a lot of people, and mm. and have basically a lot of people have been like, "What is the shit?" Is that mm. it's basically a character? I think she's she's a mutant. She's got like deer antlers, <laughs> right? Uh, and she's literally going around murdering people. That she perceives as destroying the planet. Oh, right. like in one of them, I I think she's in in um, she finds a bag in the ocean, 
Right. And then she she sees like where the bag is from. Right. She goes to that store, asks for the manager. When the manager comes, she basically stabs him in the neck. Wow. Okay. So she's a and villain. No, no, she's a hero. Oh. Right. Really? That's the thing. She's not. She, what the the comic is basically saying: this is good. Really. We should be going around killing all the people that are destroying the planet. Is it like a satire? No. That's why people are like, what is this shit? Like, no one's condemning her. Every animal, because she can speak to animals, obviously, because she's like a nature mm. mutant. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. We agree with you. Humans are destroying the planet. And it's like, what the fuck is Marvel doing right now? With the new like, extremist X-Men Green. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it hasn't it has not sat well with a lot of people. So some people have just been caught in at a murder comic where the writers just basically, they're just fantasizing about the people that they probably wish they could kill. Wow, way. So it's it's crazy, yeah. Mm. Yeah, wow. a lot of people said, you've really missed the mark with this one, Marvel. But are they supposed to be kind of villains? I think no, that's my point. She's an X-Men. She's a, she is a good guy. But and the, and the comic is basically saying what she's doing is good. Yeah, but it says here that the Wolverine imprisoned her in the pit. After being captured by Wolverine, the budding X-Men Green was sentenced to the pit, Krakoa's dark mutant prison, for their crimes against the nation, with almost all members of the Quiet Council voting to imprison both Nature Girl and Curse, regardless of their young age. But not every member, it turns out, which leads to their unexpected release and debut as a new outlaw team. Right. That's my point. So she is a hero. Like, the writer sees her as a hero. Right. Interesting. Well, okay. It's fascinating. And there's one, I saw one picture where she's, like, got blood on her hands. Yeah. And she's, like, you know, uh, holding up to her face going, I feel so alive or something. Right. So it's, yeah. Like, what is this guy, what is this writer doing? I mean, it's one thing if you're doing it as an eco-terror book and it's kind of a bit of a satire. And I don't mind if they're pushing it all the way. Yeah, but, but apparently that's not what this book is. Apparently, this book is like no, no. She's the hero, right? Okay. And the uh, and the X Men who who don't who who are against her just don't understand. They're the old fuddy duddies. Yeah, kind of they, this is how you do it. This is this is how you save the planet you, by murdering one person <laughs> by murdering everyone whoever used a plastic bag. So yeah, like like okay. the, the the shop owner can't control what people do with their plastic bags. So how does killing him? Stop people from chucking their plastic bags. Yeah, see, I don't mind it as a concept. It's the execution, which I, you know, like, I, I almost, yeah, I, I could see it. I could see the pitch, but I could see how badly that could go. Like, if it's just hijinks with the murderer, um, I'm not sure. If it's more of a satire, but that's the thing. Satire is so, it, it's such a difficult line to tread successfully well, that's the thing. if this but if this was satire i don't think it, that many people would be like some people be like oh it's just disturbing or i don't like you know violent stuff but sure. basically there's no one who's basically saying oh no it's just satire everyone's like this shit's disturbing this writer needs to check himself it's like, kind of like if that greta thunberg got dialed up another 20 notches and was like a murderess like you know she's so grumpy all the time but now it's like she's really gonna oh my god could it. you imagine like if she becomes and every time she kills someone like stabbing them in the neck or something she goes how dare you how dare you how dare you <laughs> it would be hilarious yes no it's pretty interesting uh now we've got one we're shopping with the gang i've actually put in a lot of stuff that's coming up towards christmas and i just thought i'd mention some stuff for for uh listeners out there if you're interested all of this stuff is dropping next week, so it's going to be available for Christmas, and King's Comics have it um, 
as of next week. So you've got the Rorschach hardcover, the Tom King, I believe, 12-parter. Um, that's come out. You've got the Saga trade paperback box set. So all the issues of Saga so far collected in trades in a box set. That's a pretty good one. I've got the hardcovers, Rich, but the but the box but the box set of the trades is not bad either. You've got the Amazing Spider-Man Omnibus Volume Three new printing. I'm getting that, which is going to basically I've then got one, two, three, and five of the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm just waiting on four to be reprinted. Um, you've got Amazing Spider-Man the Epic Collection Life Theft, which includes James D. Mateus, Rich, and Tom DeFalco and others. Uh, I'll be getting that. You've got Conan, the original Marvel Years, Omnibus Volume 6. Mine's already on its way. Um, you've got Cull the Conqueror, the original Marvel Years hardcover Omnibus, which I believe is the 80s, 1980s Cull stories uh, from Marvel in colour. Uh, you've got the Untold Tales of Spider-Man, the complete collection. That is... Kurt Busiak's run um, on the on the title. I collected it as an omnibus, but it's now coming out as a complete collection. You've got X Men: The Epic Collection. I Magneto, which collects more of the Chris Claremont uh, X Men run uh, in the Epic Collection, and then finally Young Avengers by uh, Kieran Gillen and McKelvey omnibus hardcover, which I know is very popular with some people. So that's quite the selection of stuff coming out in the next week, not Rich. With Dave, what was that? Just said, just not with Dave. What? Oh, the Young Avengers. I know that you weren't a, or are not, were not a big fan of the Young Avengers. Uh, I like some of them. I liked, um, I'm not sure if it was that run. I, there was a previous run of them I, I, I didn't mind. But no, I, no, I'm not, in general, I'm not a big fan of the Junior Avengers. I like Kate Bishop um, a lot, who I think technically was a Young I Avenger. I think you only like Kate Bishop once she was the, in the Hawkeye thing, though. Yes. Yeah, in Hawkeye. But she also was in, um, uh, there was a young. It was not this Young Avengers, but there was a Young Avengers previous series which Matt Fraction actually did. The issue of her, it was really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, look, I mean, I I like her as a character, but no, I'm not a Young Avengers fan. But plenty of people are, which is why I'm listing it here and chopping with the gang. I try to kind of cover the gamut of stuff that I think looks really cool. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming out um, for for Christmas, basically. Rich, is there anything that you've got your eye on uh, over the next month or so? Uh, no, the only thing I've got my eye on over the next month or so is surviving Christmas. Yeah, I was going to say, in the retail wars, yeah, Rich? Always? Yeah, yeah, that's all that's on my mind right now. I will consider shopping and treating myself after after, after Christmas and the new year. Yeah, and why I'll, not? I'll relax and go, right now, all the money I earned working over Christmas, what yep. do I want to buy? Exactly, man. <laughs> When I was a kid, Uncle Remus, he put me to bed With a picture of Stonewall Jackson above my head Then Daddy came in to kiss his little man With gin on his breath and a Bible in his hand he talked about honor and things I should know Then he'd stagger a little as he went out the door I can still hear the soft southern winds in the live old trees And those were Williams boys, they still mean a lot to me Hank in Tennessee I guess we're all gonna be what we're gonna 
So what do you do with good old boys like me? Nothing makes a sound in the night like the wind does. But you ain't afraid if you're washed in the blood like I was. Smell a cave jasmine through the window screen. John R. and the Wolf Man kept me company by the light of the radio by my bed. With Thomas Wolf whispering in my head, I can still hear the soft southern winds in the live old trees, and those Williams boys they still mean a lot to me. Hank in Tennessee, I guess we're all gonna be. So what do you do with good old boys like me? When I was in school, I ran with a kid down the street, and I watched him burn himself up on bourbon and speed. I was smarter than most, and I could choose. Learned to talk like the man on the six o'clock news. When I was eighteen, Lord, I hit the road. But it really doesn't matter how far I go. I can still hear the soft southern winds in the live old trees, and those. I guess we're all gonna be what we're gonna be. So what do you do with good old boys like me? Yeah, what do you do with good old boys like me? All right, first up, Rich, Weekly Comics. And just before that, I've got some breaking news. Tasmania, Hobart got the final Ashes test in the cricket. So that's big news because Western Australia, for US listeners, I'm sure glued to their glued to their headsets, um, pulled out of it due to COVID. And Tassie have picked it up, Rich, my old home state. Loving it. <laughs> I'm absolutely loving it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's breaking news for our listeners. but It's breaking news as far as I'm concerned. Um, now, first up, Rich, we had Detective Comics Annual 7 and Flashbacks. This is the Pirate Batman storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this issue of comics. Yeah. I believe comics peaked with this issue. I'm giving this 10 out of 10, and I recommend signal listeners should have the Pirate Batman as their banner on their phone screens for maybe a solid year. Uh, where were you, Rich, on this? Um, I would say have a bit more standards than that and don't. <laughs> You're not a fan of Pirate Batman? Um, 
Not really. I wow. find sh I find shit like this just too wow, too goofy and stupid. Fuck, man, really? Come on, this is one of Chuck Dixon's best ones, really? Yeah, not really. happy, man. Come I, on, I, I, I'm again. I'm just not a fan wow. of this whole like. Oh, let's take the character and put them. It's in elsewhere. It was literally an Elseworlds annual. You understand that was the, the fucking you know mission given to the writers, Elseworlds. Yeah, I know. I just didn't care for it. Okay, well, I don't care for your take as well, and I might actually veto your vote. So, what are you giving it out of ten? Five. Ten. I'm giving it ten. You like. And can I say, I'm like, regardless of what Richard said, this is actually a very popular Batman uh, comic. And I'm surprised they haven't done like a mini series or, or, or something with this character because it, to, to me, it's just unlimited. The, you know, pirates slash Batman, I mean, two of the most popular things out there. I'm really stunned. And I believe Chuck did have with the artist, they had more of these to go, but. It wasn't greenlit at the time, but I, I'm surprised personally that the DC haven't done like a miniseries with this character. Um, in, you know, in all honesty, you just don't like the fact that they've just like it's like if Batman was in medieval times. You don't like that either, do you? Yeah. Look, I mean, if you want to do an Elseworlds, right? Yeah. About a a character that also maybe dons a Batman. Right, uh, costume. That's fine, but when you turn around and say, "Let's just take Batman and make him a pirate, and we'll give him his butler, his second mate called Alfredo, and we'll give him a Robin, and there'll be a Catwoman, and there'll be a Joker pirate," and it's like I'm just like, oh, it's just so. The Joker looked good, though. I thought I thought the Joker looked really good. Mm. Just not not happy. As I said, I just. I don't mind the idea if they were like, "Hey, let's do an Elseworld with like this character mm. in the in the in a pirate era." Yeah, you know the seven seas. Maybe he has his own origin story that makes him don like a pirate, a, 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 a Batman or a Bat sort of, you know, um, uh, symbol, yeah, or something like that. And you give him his own different type of pirate villains. Yes. I don't have a problem with that. It's just just taking the characters and going right. We're going to do Joker pirate. We're going to be. We're going to do Catwoman pirate. We're going to do Robin. We're going to do Alfred, and you know, and I just put them in a pirate scene. Mm. I just, it's just so. I don't want to. Okay, I'm going to be careful what I say here because I am a fan of Chuck, mm. but I feel like it's so low. Like low-hanging fruit kind of thing. Yeah, like it's it's like you've taken the easy way out instead of actually making something. Well, I disagree. I think it's a bit of fun, and it's just the it, you know obviously. I, I mean, I wasn't there when when he came up with it, but I would assume he and the artist sort of thought, well, you know, Chuck's always very good with his ideas. Like in terms of like, he's always seems to be one of those guys no, with no, a lot of it, ideas. I give I give you a perfect example. Mm. The 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 Chuck Dixon one we did with the Justice Riders. Yeah, that was cool. Right. That, was that really wasn't cool. like that was not Wonder Woman from like Themyscira or Flash doused with liquid. You know what I mean? Like, yes. um, it, it was characters that were based on them, but their backstories were actually different. Yeah. You know, like Hawkman's a Native American guy who's taken on the symbol of the hawk. He's not a Thanagarian. Yes. Or from another, you know what I mean? Like, I like that with that one, at least he sort of changed people's origins and backstories. 
yeah, um, a yeah. little bit, but still kept it. Whereas this one, I just felt like it was just a kind of copy and paste uh, Batman story, but just with pirates. Sure. But, but I mean, a lot of Batman fans like me, it was just like pirates. Yeah, look, I mean, maybe if you're a, maybe if you are a super Batman fan, yeah, you would get more of a kick out of it. Me, maybe not being as massive a Batman fan, I just kind of go, eh. Yeah, you're like, whatever. Whatevs. Well, I'm giving it 10. You're giving it 5, which I feel is a very low score for one of the most popular Batman comics out there. But regardless, it is your score. I will allow it. Um, but it doesn't sit easy with Caesar, this decision. Can I just say, Richard? Uh, you know, Caesar is... What, what do you want to say to me? Air 2, Brutus? Yeah, exactly. I'm watching you in this chamber now, Brutus. Don't get too close with that knife, my friend. You stay back. Jesus. Um, I tell you what, Caesar. One thing he needed was proper bodyguards. If he had proper bodyguards, he would have lived a lot longer. You know, always, Didn't always. Some of them betray him as well, though. <sighs> yeah, I did see that funny meme where it says you could say that Caesar died surrounded by his friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, Amazing Spider-Man one fifty, Rich. Bit of a classic, I thought. Uh, a jam up of a lot of information. Um, I, look, I don't know what to say about it. I read it a week ago. I've forgotten it, really. But I gave it 8 out of 10. It was my score. Did you get a chance to read this one? I did. Mm. What did you think? And I'm, just, and I'm just trying to remember what it was now. Yeah, it was a jam-up of a lot of different characters from memory. It was like one of those ones where there's a lot going on. Uh, I, you know, Honestly, I can't remember very well myself. But I did give it 8 out of 10. And I, I thought... As flashbacks go... I I remember it now. So this was where Spider-Man was... uh, This was after... um, Not the Clone Saga. So this actually predates the Clone Saga. This is when um, uh, the the Jackal... Yes. ...makes a clone of Gwen Stacy and a clone of Peter Parker. In fact, it was that storyline that basically led to them having that idea of the Clone Saga, I believe. Right. Um. And this was him trying to figure out if he was the real Peter Parker or the clone. Yes. Yes, now I remember it. Um, uh, with this one, and now I remember what struck me about this. I, The cover spoiled the story. Right, yeah. Because on the cover, he's fighting like, you know, Kingpin, Vulture, Sandman, all this sort of stuff. And he's like, what's this? I'm battling all my heroes. Or am I losing my mind? <laughs> and and then when you see the story that they're describing, I go, okay, well, the cover ruined it because you you already put it in my head that this isn't real. Yeah. That he's kind of yeah. like it's not he's not really battling them and all that. I kind of wish that he would just be like, I can't believe all my villains are attacking at once and yes. left it at that. Yes. And then you find out that it's some mirage or uh, or, or trick or something like that. I would have preferred that because I kind of feel like the cover spoiled the the reveal that they're not really there or well, like he wasn't really battling his... I'm going to have to reread this one. I, I'm giving it seven out of, half out of ten just based on my memory, which is vague because I, I'm, I'm now not sure if I read the right issue. Um, what are you giving it, Rich? Um, yeah, it's definitely a seven, 7.5 out of ten. Again, okay. it's, a, it's, it's a classic story because that was quite a good story if, uh, if my memory serves me with the, with the Jackal um and and the Gwen Stacy clone and the Peter So Parker is this clone. the one where he winds up on the roof and he he doesn't even check the result because he's so confident he's not the clone is it that story Yes one? yes it's when he decides yeah. that he's me- like the feelings that he's getting from his memories Yes they, they can't be residual memories like Yeah 
Okay. He could only feel that way if he had actually experienced them. You know what? I'm going to reread this. He remembers issue. the experience. It was it was a, it was a very good uh, uh, story, actually. It's um, called the original Clone Saga. I mean, it's just one issue, but um, yeah, that's what I said. That 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 clone story mm. is basically what they use as the yeah, it's the, like the jumping the, off point for the Clone Saga in the '90s. Well, it's what set off that Clone Saga. Yes. Yeah. So they in, were like, oh, what if the jackal made more than one clone and blah 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 blah, and and, and, and so. even further than that, as I think James DeMatteis said, either on our podcast or elsewhere, and Tom DeFalco, basically the concept was by the nineties, so many years later, like they were like, what if the 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 character that said I'm definitely the original was indeed a clone since yeah. then, and so um, all the adventures that had happened since that storyline in 150 until the 90s were all the adventures of the clone. Well, that's why the the ending is quite clever, whether you meant it or not. Yeah. Because he didn't check the results, yes. you now have a, 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 a an open door. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've left the window open, whether you did it intentionally or not. Like, well, yeah, or maybe. You just, you know, yeah, maybe you did. You know, I'm sure, well, maybe at the time they were just like, oh, no, he's just so confident he's Spider-Man, he doesn't have to check. But then another writer comes along and goes, quite smartly goes, well, you know what? He never actually looked at the results. Was so that we could Jerry Conway? Play around with the idea that um, he could still be the clone. Was it Jerry Conway who who wrote it? I think it was. I want to say. I don't have it in front of me right now. So um, yeah, let's. Is Jerry Conway still alive? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who created Punisher as well, isn't he? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Jerry Conway. Yes, yes. Yeah, he created Punisher. Yeah, okay, so how old is he? He's Oh, he's only 69. He's, he's younger than I thought he was. Nice. We should get him on Signal. I reckon we could get him. I, I, I honestly reckon we could get Jerry Conway on the Signal of Doom. You know, I'll, I'll, I will reach out and try to get Jerry Conway because I think that would be very interesting to have him on because he, he's, he's one of those guys who's done a lot of work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, seminal work, not just creating Punisher, but all that Spider-Man and... And we could really, I think, have a very interesting conversation. I get him confused with Roy Thomas, um, but Jerry Conway, you, yeah. I'm curious, would you, would you ask him about his stance against police having the skull? Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah, definitely. Get him on. Get, get, I wouldn't just ask him about that. It's not no, gonna... I'm saying, would you ask him a question like that? Yeah, definitely. If we got him on, yeah, for sure. I mean, it would be mixed in with the whole... Thing of his career, I'm not. It's I'm not going to do a gotcha moment on Jerry Conway, but no, no, I know. But I mean, yeah. that's an interesting point. Yeah, definitely. Why not? I'd always ask questions like that. Yeah, for sure. But by the same token, that wouldn't be the primary purpose of the interview because I would like to talk to him about his career. But that's what I'm no, interested. He's had in. a very good career. He's yeah. done some fantastic stories. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. Well, leave that with me because I, I reckon we could get Jerry Conway. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Conway was. Hopefully, uh, wouldn't mind coming on the Signal of Doom and um, yeah, chatting. But one thing I would say, if he's listening to this or his followers, it certainly wouldn't be a gotcha interview because I'm not interested in that. Oh, no, but that's why I'm saying it up front. Yeah, no, I, I like I, I'm putting it out there because I'll be, I don't I'm not looking for a gotcha, but uh, I would be very interested to 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 hear his points of view. Sure. On on that, I think he's very um, how can I say like left wing. Um, and he was really into the Black Lives Matter movement and all that kind of stuff. Like, so, you know, which was a pretty popular position to take last year. Um, but he was, he was, 
heavily into that sort of stuff. So he he leans that way politically, which is fine. I mean, that's you know, I don't I don't care. It doesn't worry me. Um, yeah, but but my most of my questions will not be about that shit. It'll be about um his career. Let's have a look at what he's done. His bibliography. He's 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 done a lot, man. He's, wow, he has done a lot. He's, I'm looking he's at done Spider Man. He's done Hulk. He's done Justice League. Yeah, I think he's even done Firestorm. Right. Okay. Um, so, like, he's 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 worked on almost almost every single fucking comic there is. You know what? I get him confused with Roy Thomas, and and that's my own stupidity, basically, because um, they, they they're sort of like, yeah, okay. So he's done some Punisher, a little bit, a little bit of Punisher, but he created Punisher. Oh, he did a Planet of the Apes. We'd have to talk about that. Yeah. No, he's done plenty of stuff. He's the kind of guy I'd love to get on, actually. Because uh, yeah, he he's he's done he's 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 had a you know a couple of runs and a lot of short runs but he's he's worked on like as i said he's worked on so many different um, uh, franchises like i'm sure he's even done if my memory serves me i'm sure he's even done sergeant fury sergeant fury um, the marvel character yeah yeah the, and the howling commanders like right, okay. I, I think he's even done namor you're right he point. has done like, he has done that he, he did th- you know, three issues of that so he's he's done a lot yeah this man has, has literally worked on almost almost any uh, uh, IP or title that yeah we'd have to been. get him on he's done some Conan um, oh yeah yeah he's done Iron Man as well like he's done he's just done he's got Daredevil yeah, under no, his belt like get him he's on. done a lot I'm sure he's done I'm sure he's done one or two Ghost Riders I'm sure of it Jerry Conway let's have a look here Ghost Rider yes he has he's done three issues of Ghost Rider uh, yeah, no, Ooh, and he, and here's something you could really uh, hit him on. I think he he worked on. Uh, I think he did Carnage. Carnage, yeah, he did sixteen issues of Carnage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's that'd be good stuff. to talk as a Spider-Man fan. I mean, that'd be interesting to talk about because Carnage, I feel like, really just disappeared. Like, sure, you know, he was this this big villain. Yeah, for 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 both Marvel, uh, for both Marvel, for both uh, Spider-Man and Venom. Mm. And really, he's just fucking fell off the map. Jesus, like, he did 53 issues of Firestorm. God, that's a lot of Firestorm. Yeah, no, no, that's wow. where I know. Uh, that, that was one of my first experiences with Jerry Connor was Firestorm. That's my why God, I, that's a lot of fucking I Firestorm. Yeah, he did a very good Firestorm, actually. <laughs> I love, well, good for him. Uh, yeah. No, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll definitely reach out to him. Oh, he did, he did, um, he did some Justice League as well. Oh, mm-hmm. so, oh whoa, slow down. Some, a fucking lot. Get this. So Justice League, he did one twenty five to one twenty seven, one thirty one to one thirty four, then one fifty one to two one six. Wow, that's a lot of Justice League. Yeah, as I said, man, almost pick a pick a title, and he's he's worked on it. Like, seriously, all right, man. okay, well, well, that's that. that's He's even done. You'll get a kick out of this. Mm. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. Good. I'm glad he has. So trust me, there's a lot you can talk to him about. Like yeah. he he has had a, a a finger in in everything, so that like there is a lot to talk to him about. All right, man. Oh, definitely. Well, um, yeah, I'll um, I'll, I'll reach out, and uh, that'll be very interesting. Now, um, so what did you give that Amazing Spider-Man? And I'm going to reread it because I, I I'm gave going... a, I gave it a seven point five. Okay. Then we had World's Finest two six two two stories. I said for you to read because it was a big issue, but I said just focus on two. One is the main story by Denny, and one is Hawkman by James D. Mateus, an early James D. Mateus Hawkman story with the ghost of Adam Strange, which I thought was fun. Mm. Um, yeah, I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 overall. 
Uh, I thought the Denny storyline was not the strongest uh, Superman Batman I've ever read. Um, but overall, an enjoyable read. Uh, and certainly a lot of bang for your buck back in those days. There was a lot of storylines going on in there. Mm. Hell of a lot. Uh, I, I liked it because um, I, I just, I, I personally love Denny's Batman. Yeah, he does do a good um, Just because I love that he's just not this. Uh, I, I just love that he's a better, um, a, a brighter. Yeah. Uh, Batman, he's not as bogged down in his pain. Sure. And his memory. Like, you know, I love that he, he's he's very um, kind and friendly with the girl. Yeah. With, with, with the little girl, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. You know, like, hey, sweetheart, and, you know, don't worry. I, you know, like, he just, he seems more personable. Yeah. And, and I like that because it's a change because I'm just so tired of the dour... Yeah, the, the Batman who who would even scare a little child who would you know almost like not know how to talk to a kid or yeah or, or anything like that. So I, I quite liked it. Um, I thought it was a, a good little story. Um, you know, uh, this girl who's supposed to be blind, but it's not blind. It's just that she can see in a different um, spectrum of light, mm. so she could see the bad guy, and Batman couldn't, and all that sort of stuff. Um, again, your typical old fashioned comic. But to me, old-fashioned in a good way. A bit silly. Yeah. To me, old-fashioned in a good way, Rich. You know? Oh, no, no, no. Whenever I say old-fashioned, I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I mean that as it's a fun little old-fashioned. It's not like end of the world. It's not, you know, it's not revolutionizing the characters or any sort of way. It's just a nice, self-contained little story that, you know, is... 10, 10 to 12 pages. And I enjoyed um, the Hawkman story with um, Jamie DeMatteis and um, Adam Strange and all that sort of stuff. I thought that yeah, was that, fun as well. that was a weird one for me. Yeah, I liked it though, man. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm giving it 6.5 out of 10 overall as an issue. What are you giving it, Rich? I'll, I'll give this one a 7 as well. You know, I have a fond... This won't surprise you. <laughs> I have a fondness for that late 70s, early 80s Justice League. In it in the satellite and all that stuff. I love all that. I love that period for some reason. I don't know why. I I've got a soft spot for almost every single incarnation of the Justice League. There's yeah. very few incarnations of the Justice Leagues I I don't like. Um, probably maybe my least favorite one. Detroit would be the one just before Morrison took over. Yeah. Uh, which had like um, uh, it had Metamorpho in it. It had. Nucleon, or he came, it became Ad, Atom Smasher. It had, you know, Obsidian and Odin, and I was kind of like, eh, this is not really the Justice League. No, this was, <laughs> like, it was kind of like the Z League, more like, you know? Yeah, kind of. Like, I even, I enjoyed that even less than the, 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 the Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Justice League, which, by the way, I even have a soft spot for, like, the Detroit um, Justice League, because I do like uh, some of the characters in that yeah. thing. Like, I like Vixen, I like uh, Steel. You know what I mean? I am a uh, uh, vibe, maybe not so much. Um, you know, and that started off with Martian Manhunter and Aquaman and even had Elongated Man yeah. in it at the start. And then again, they kind of left and then it was just basically John and the new the new kids. Um, but I kind of liked it as well because it wasn't trying to say that these people were replacing the Justice League. In fact, a lot of those uh, people actually questioned themselves. Mm. It's like, why the hell are they even there? Which again, would make sense. Yeah. You know, uh, except for Steel. I think Steel was the only one who was like, yeah, fuck this. I'm 
I'm meant to be here. I'm awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm which is fine because you need that character. You need that jock. Yeah, 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 definitely. Who, who thinks higher of himself while the others are like, "Oh, why are we here? I don't know if I can do this." I mean, Gypsy being the absolute antithesis of that, where like she literally feels like she shouldn't be there at all. Yeah, and she like, probably shouldn't be. Also, you know. Yeah, but suggest. but you know what? Uh, that Detroit led to another good incarnation, which I really liked, which was Justice League Task Force. Right. Okay. Uh, and that was a good one because this was supposed to be, I believe it started with Nightwing uh, and then it got handed off to Martian Manhunter, but they were like a, a task force, a strike force yeah. that were trying to root out um, uh, like plans and stuff before it happened. Oh, right. Okay. Like a Black Ops made, team almost. Yeah. Yeah. So like a team who was trying to like preemptively stop yes. disasters and, and, and megalomaniacs from, from enacting their plan before it even got to that point. That was a bit in the Outsiders, wasn't it? That we read, wasn't that sort of like their 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 remittance? Was, yeah, yeah. Well, this yeah. Was, the the Justice League Task Force was in a time when Outsiders wasn't even in publication. Right. Okay. Yeah. So that was there. The Justice League Task Force was kind of like the Outsiders, where it's like you know, DC have always at some point there's always a team that forms yeah. that wants to stop the the bad guys before they enact their plan because That's they cool. even did that with. Um, with Nightwing and Arsenal's Outsiders with what we read the other day. Yes, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. But yeah. to be fair, that was Batman's plan for his original Outsiders as well. It was because Remember, they wouldn't invade. That's why he quit the Justice League. It was like, I'm yeah. not going to stand around and wait for they shit to happen. Inv- they Me and my team, we're going to stop it before it happens. They wouldn't invade that country and Batman got the shits big time. Yeah, so yeah, Batman wanted to be more proactive. So, and that's where it kind of started. And ever since then, there's always been some team... Yeah, it's good. Throughout the years that are like, we're going to be pro- uh, proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, it's it's cool. And I mean, my liking for the late 70s stuff is nostalgia, or almost, because that's what I remember comics on the newsstand being, like, and all the different DC heroes, and it all oh. seems so glamorous, you know? Look, I'll be honest with you. Some people say, like, oh, nostalgia is a bad thing. And it's like, no, I don't, I don't, ag- I don't necessarily agree with that all the time. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, it's, 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 it's like anything else, Rich. It can become a complete trap, or it can just be something that creates or, a bit of fondness. Or it can you know? be a leg- legitimate true fact that it's better. Or <laughs> well, it can be, but I mean, often it's often it's just your impression. But um, I don't know. We've done a lot of flashbacks. Would you say that it's just our nostalgia that makes the stories better, or are they actually really good? <sighs> Interesting question. Stories. Interesting question. I think definitely from the big two, I. I would say that they've strained the well a little dry by now um, compared to back then. Uh, if we if we say back then in the 70s, early 80s, um, leading which then led into the mid-80s, I think that the well hadn't been dragged so dry, whereas by now it has been a thousand times and it's all a bit diluted. Um, so overall, the quality of... Overall, I'm generalizing, the quality of both is below, but that's not to say that every single book that DC and Marvel are putting out now is terrible, and, and a lot of them are better than stuff that they used to put out, but overall, the quality of the lines have been reduced, yeah, I would I would, I would think, and part, part of that is, I think, as well, um, uh, I honestly, I, I sometimes question the... Uh, need for it to all supposedly be cohesive and i sometimes wonder if 
the joy of the comics has been lost a little bit, you know? Like, I, I, I feel back even until the 80s, they were still very much kind of writing them for the, for the fans in a way, weird way. Like, it was, it was sort of like when you're reading Spider-Man, if you're reading fucking Firestorm, to name, you, you were writing it for an audience and it was you were telling the story and you were really hoping to hook that audience month by month. Whereas now it feels a lot more corporate um, and a lot, lot more like brand packaging. That's my impression. You know? well, okay. I, I agree with you there, but I would actually um, extrapolate a little bit and say that when the, the, the guys, especially like your Denny's and your Chuck Dixon's and all that, mm. while it was a job, it mm. was also um, love, passion. Sure. sure. Um, you know, because they grew up with it. So like working with these characters and these jobs was like a dream sure. job, you sure. know? And so they brought a lot of like uh, enthusiasm, passion, uh, and, and reverence and, and respect but, for, but, for the, but, the I, characters. but I think but a, lot of, guys a lot today, of writers you know? today, I just see them, I, I, in my impression, not all of them, but a lot of them, it's just the job. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I you don't know what I mean? Like, I don't feel, I don't feel the, the actual love, passion and history. I don't feel like they have that much. It's just, Oh, I got a job at Marvel. I'd like, I haven't read that many comics, but they were hiring. <laughs> And I got the job. That's that, that's how I feel with a lot of the the, the younger writers now. That's working. interesting. It's just a job. That's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know. I I, I mean, you, that's a question you have to. I think some of them like absolutely love it. Like Joshua Williamson. I I may, I may not be his biggest fan, but I think he's a massive fan of comics. You know. No, um, but, no, no. Okay, okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like for almost like any person you think of mm. who was writing comics in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Like I feel like all of them were fans. Yeah, for sure. Something drew them to you know, it. It wasn't like money. Today I feel money. like it's not all of them. I feel like it could be 50, 50, 60, 40, whatever. Oh yeah, but you're I probably just feel right. like there's more people who are just like, it's a job. Well, a lot of them get, I just want to get paid. I don't actually care about the shit that I'm putting in. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean look, it you know, I and I hate to be so blunt, but it's always been a job for all of them. But it's the, the question is you, I get Do what you love saying. your job? That's the question. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Look, uh, it's very hard to generalise in that regard. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, also as well, though, the things, it changes. Some of the things that people are writing now that they love, you know what I mean, the way they love to tell the story, just don't connect with me as a reader. So there's a disconnect. Whereas, you know, someone like a Chuck Dixon, um, you know, like a Denny O'Neill, and we're, we're naming legends, but many other writers that aren't even necessarily of their caliber, they're they're writing in a way that I grasp coming from seventies, eighties, nineties, that period of time. But Jeff Johns, for example, um, they're writing our kind of comics. They're writing from, you know, what I mean. It's the way they're doing it is the way we like it, you know, and. Whereas I think some people coming in now from indie comics, they're coming in from a different angle, and I and sometimes I connect, and sometimes I just don't, and I don't know. There's just a there's there's a different way of doing things that I don't think necessarily is supported by sales, so I'm not quite sure why sometimes Marvel and DC don't go. Let's go back to basics a little bit more. You know, I sometimes think that go back to formula. I I sometimes think might actually be the answer. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I disagree with your comment there is that I don't believe that I, 
I don't believe so much in the disconnect theory. Mm. You know, like, oh, it's a different generation or, you know, they come from a different time because I can read comics from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s mm. and enjoy them. Sure. Like, I, I don't feel disconnected by something that was written in the 60s. Sure. Like, I can still read it for what it is and get enjoyment out of it. So I, I don't, I'm not that sort of person where I'm like, I couldn't get, um, if you gave me a good story today, mm. even if it came from a little bit, that I couldn't enjoy it. But it's just that I'm not finding yeah. a, a lot of the stuff I'm reading today to be enjoyable, to be of the quality that I expect, whether it's coming from a different angle or more indie. I mean, we've all read indie stuff and all that sort of stuff. It's not like it's mm. new. No. It's not like the indie thing is something new. It's just that I just don't think the quality is there for a lot of the books. Not all of them. Some of them still have quality. Mm. But I just feel like I found, even if it was a writer I'm not familiar with back in like the 70s or the 80s, mm. I still found stories to be enjoyable. Yeah, man. To be of a reasonable quality. I just don't feel that quality is there today well, I'll, on a I'll give you a name. consistent basis. I'll give you a name of someone who before I did Signal, I read very little of, uh, was John Ostrander. And then I, and like, and no fault of John Ostrander. I just hadn't read a lot of John Ostrander. And then over the course of Signal, we've done a few comics of his that I wouldn't have picked, you know, they're just like that's Star Wars stuff. And I loved them with an absolute passion. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that Star Wars legacy we did was absolutely amazing. And I sometimes wish that, like, a John Ostrander. Or a John Ostrander-like writer was writing stories right now that I could connect with. You know what I mean? Like, and he's an old master, isn't he? Isn't he's highly regarded. Um, I don't, and yet I don't feel that it's un, when I'm reading his stuff. Yes, he's very good, but I don't feel it's impossible for people to be writing that kind of stuff. Like a good, talented comic book writer. He, to me, he's a building blocks guy. He's he gets a story. It's it's every, he's ticking the boxes, but in a good way. I'm using him as an example. You know what I mean? I I don't feel his quality level is so out of the fucking world that someone couldn't replicate that. I, I feel that I feel that he's to me a very very good competent comic book writer, and that's what I miss. That kind of a writer being on the regular titles. You know. Well, okay. Well, I've got a question for you before we move on. Then, mm. do you think maybe the issue is that um, a lot of the newer writers now? Again, not all of them, just a lot. Mm. Um, they don't have they they haven't lived the same like um, they they haven't had to like uh, learn life uh, early. I'm, I'm I'm trying to put this in in English. Um, like if you if you listen to like Denny's and all that sort of stuff, sure. They 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 had a lot of life experience at a young age. Do you know I what I mean? Know. I mean, like, they've got experience. Like they, they went out into the world. They were working like, um, you know, like... Well, Danny was a journalist, jo like, wasn't he? Huh? I think Danny was a journalist early on. Or no, but no yeah, but I mean, that, yeah, he was a journalist. He got into that. But um, what I'm saying is that uh, do you feel like maybe uh, a lot of the younger writers today have lived a bit more of a sheltered life? Oh, maybe and so, therefore, maybe there, there isn't much experience they can draw upon well, fucking with Tom, their writing. Well, Tom King will tell us he worked for the CIA. We know that. Um, maybe, man. I don't know. Well, look, he can, he pulls upon that experience. It's <laughs> shitty experience <laughs> writing from that experience, but he is pulling from that experience. 
Yeah. I mean, that's why he writes a certain way. But I'm not for, for good or bad, I'm not saying having that experience is good or that mm. will make you a good writer. Mm. All I'm saying is that do you think maybe like a lot of the younger writers today, mm. like they literally like get out of school, they go study yeah. like writing yeah. and then they get a job writing. But in between getting that job and all that, they've not actually like gone and like worked shitty jobs, yeah. experienced life, done cool things or, or sure. you know what I mean? Because again, we, it's a digital age now, you know, you can just learn. Oh, that's online definitely shit, part whereas, of it. Yeah. That's definitely yeah, like, part of where, it. With Denny and all them, they had to like actually go out there. Like, yeah. like do shit, get experience, like experience life. And sure. they could draw upon that for like stories, ideas or writing. And they learned a lot more along mm. the way. Again, I'm just, that just flew in my head when you were, when you were talking oh, about I, mean, I was just wondering if that's, if that is a factor, not the reason, yeah, but just another a, factor. It's a factor for sure. I mean, like, it's not just comic books. Um, You know, normal writers think of like a Jack Kerouac who, who, you know, was like a beat generation and traveled the road and then rode on the road and all that kind of stuff. Like it was in you know, their lives influence their work. I mean, I don't know. I, I said, I was like, I, I hate to be this guy, but Jason Aaron, incredible writer, written some incredible comics. Some of the most corporate boring Avengers I've ever read in my life, you know? And I honest, and I hate to say this because I love his writing. But I think he's phoning that in like you wouldn't believe. Well, can I be honest with you? I think the problem is, is he probably came into Avengers with some good ideas. Yeah. And they've kept him on the book too long. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I, yeah, I think his well is dry. Yeah. But he wa either he wants to stay on the book or they want him to stay on the book. And I just think he's like, well, I've got to fucking come up with something. Um, but because I have noticed this, I'm not, okay. I'm not as big. I'm, I'm not an Aaron fan. Yeah. Like, like you other people. And that's fine. I mean, everyone, everyone can like what they like. Totally. But what I have noticed though, is a lot of people who really, really dug his work when he first started uh -huh. are now kind of going, what's happened? Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not enjoying his, his current stuff as much as I enjoyed his his earlier stuff when he first came in the book. And I think at some point, yeah, sometimes a writer needs to come off a book. Yes. You know what I mean? I like sometimes it happens too early mm. where, they, where they pull a writer where he's still got some juice and all that. But sure. then there's other, the flip side where it's like, you probably should have pulled him off a bit sooner because Definitely. I, I think he's probably like, you know what? I probably need a different book yeah. that I can go and, and get some fresh ideas and, and and think about things and work with a different character. Whereas now he's just like I I'm just I'm just spinning my wheels. Right and now. I, I hate to say it, but I think that there's a like we're talking about the big two, and obviously there's a wealth of independent comics now, um, you know, around them as well, which probably we should pay more attention to. But uh, I do at times think I get a bit overwhelmed by the way that they hit the same mark. Like it's like four different Joker books, you know three Harley books. Like it's, it's, it's like they're hitting the same well with too much frequency and they're, they're playing. But that's just, that's know. just corporate. Like corporate yeah. literally always their yeah. big stick is to kill the golden goose. Yeah. And I, I think my, myself as a reader, I think that fatigues me and my solution is I'm just more picky. And there's a lot of old stuff that I either haven't read or I'm totally willing to re-examine for the show, and I'm much more picky with the new stuff. Uh, I think you have to be, because otherwise I just I would just get very fatigued. I, I haven't got it in me to read three different versions of Joker in a month. 
you know, it's not. I'll be honest with you. Like I do, I I do actually try and go look for for other stuff. Honestly, I do. Mm. Like I go look at Aftershock, Mm. um, Antarctic Press. What was another one I was looking the other day? Avatar Press. You know what I mean? Like I even go Dynamite and even like Oni because Oni sometimes I go looking there because they got the Street Fighter and yeah, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, but I can't just seem to find that much stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, I oh, keep looking every week, but no, there's, there's nothing that okay. that grabs me. That like where I go, oh yeah, that's that's that looks like something I want to read. Or well, come like the that. new year, one of my resolutions will be I'll make a bit more of an effort with some of that stuff, and mm. um, and and we can find a bit more of that stuff. But you know, I'm not. We're not. We're not lacking for content, so I'm not too worried. I do, but I, I actually I meant to tell you this before I forget. Mm. I've got a pick for the next year. Yes. Um, when when we come back from break, Good. Uh, I'm I'm curious to find out what you think. What is it? Uh, it is, uh, it's called the man who shot Lucky Luke. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah. Let's... You know, you know who Lucky Luke is, yeah? No, no idea. Oh, uh, it's a it's a, it's like a European um, um, cartoony western. Right. Is it a horse? Is it a horse? No, he's a he's a he's a cowboy. He's a oh, okay. No, never heard of it. No. Cowboy called Lucky. You've never heard of Lucky Luke? No, never. Oh, okay. Well, then again, that'll be interesting for you. Okay. Yeah. No. Definitely, we can definitely do that. We'll do that on our first show back for sure. Because yeah. and it's a short one. It's only like sixty nine pages. But oh wow. Um, I, I might do a double, a yeah. double pick of two short you ones. Can, but I just wanted, I saw this who shot the the man who shot Lucky Luke, and I was like, oh, that'd be that'd be fun to read. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, I think we've solved all the comic industry's problems. The okay. Yes. Um, well, again, every every week we seem to solve their problems for them. Yes, I know. Now uh, we come to the trade of the week, which was the Incredible Hercules against the World Trade. I, Richard, you'll be proud to know, read the entire com- complete collection of Volume One, which was all about World War Hulk, then leading into the Incredible Hercules. Uh, storyline, and then had the one at the end about Hercules versus the Hulk. So, mm. read it all, and I'm going to hand you to describe it, but I will say this. Compulsive page-turner, um, not groundbreaking, um, but very, very readable, very fun. Uh, I read 401 pages in two nights. That basically never happens. Um with, with my reading, I honestly was engaged throughout. I thought this was an extremely well-told comic. And I don't care almost at all about Hercules. Um, I do like the Hulk. But regardless, I read all of it with a lot of enthusiasm. And it made me realise what a good period of time this was for the Hulk comic. Um and I did like the whole Hercules thing, and I liked Amadeus Cho. I, I, I dug the whole thing from beginning to end. It never, I, I read most of it in one sitting, actually. I reckon I read 300 pages and then polished off the next 100. Um, and I think that's recommendation enough, don't you? That's a very good recommendation from you. So you want to um, give us Yeah, the, no, I mean, the, I, yeah. I really liked Amadeus Cho. I mean, I, I loved Amadeus Cho until they fucking ruined him with uh, making him uh, a Hulk. Um, right, but okay. So this basically is is pretty much right after um, uh, World War Hulk. Uh-huh. So at the time, uh, uh, Hercules had kind of taken over the Incredible Hulk book, um, uh, and that's why this is called Incredible Hercules. 
Um, and so when the when World War Hulk was happening, then the Hulk book became the Hercules book. Right. And he basically teams up with Amadeus Cho and all that. Now, this is the aftermath. This is after Hulk has given up. And I've got and, a question. And... Where is Hulk during? Because in the complete collection, it covers the World War Hulk bit. And then Hulk is like kind of captured or something. Where yeah, is he, he? He he gives up. So they've got him locked up somewhere. Gotcha. Um, right. okay. Like in prison, basically. Gotcha. Um, right. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so like he's given up. The, the, the war is now over. Or the battle's over and all this sort of shit. But basically Hercules sided with Hulk. Yes. And so they're kind of being pursued by S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and of course S.H.I.E.L.D. brings in Hercules' brother, half-brother, um, Ares. Ares, which yeah. was probably a big mistake. The god, um, the god of war. Ares, uh, yeah, because Ares basically just, he he goads him uh, into lashing out and shit. And, and, and anyway, so they're kind of on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and it's it's a really good book because it's it's it splits its time between their story on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D., uh-huh. And and Amadeus show wanting to basically destroy Shield and also then delving into Hercules's um, past, where they give you their interpretation, their spin on it, where the um, the stories are accurate but out of order. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. So you know, like, uh, and as Hercules explained, it's myth. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, myth doesn't always go in the order that it actually happened. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I, I get that. Yeah, I get yeah, that. Yeah, so I, I found all that all fascinating and stuff. Um, uh, and I just, th- this version of Hercules, I absolutely love. The only thing I could say about the book that I did not like as much, especially yes. in, this, in this trade, was the art. You weren't uh, fond of it, the, really? The, the, art, the art is serviceable. Uh-huh. But um, there is better art in in some of the other trades and the stories. Okay. Um, especially when you look at like the covers. Yeah. So, um, uh, and this is written by Pack, by the way. Um, yes. Uh, who is actually a very good writer. Uh, I, I think he's excellent. Of, like Frank. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. get a lot of. But a lot of the covers were done by Arthur Adams. Yes. Uh, for this, which just makes you really go fuck. I wish that was the inside art. um uh and yeah so i mean i I can't spend too much of the story because i mean there's a lot actually going on yeah um in this like there's the whole uh aries is jealous of hercules uh amadeus cho is on a tipping point of of you know going evil or good and this was Um, the first appearance of amadeus cho wasn't it these this 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 run this is uh, where... He does appear, obviously, before. He, he appears during World War Hulk. Oh, yeah, but I mean, in the complete collection, which I read, which which starts off with the World War Hulk stuff, that was the first yeah, appearance. Yeah, he's, he's introduced in, in, in the Hulk, yes. Uh, gotcha. And, but this is the continuation of, yeah. So he's he's still, he's very new. Yeah, okay, cool. He's very new in this and all that, so... Um... He was an interesting character. I thought he, I, I, I was kind of digging him, to be honest. Yeah, again, he was a very good character. I don't know why they ruined him with. Uh, well, they kind of ruined the 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 Hulk book after a while. It seems to be a, a a theme, isn't it? Well, they they seem to struggle to know what to do with Hulk at a certain point, you know. But it's well, no, sorry, not with Hulk. I'm talking about with like anything, like mm. with his Hercules. It was such a good run. Yeah. And then I think at some point they switch writers, and then it just started going downhill. 
Yeah. Um, because obviously maybe that writer wasn't either up to it or maybe, you know, wasn't reading the room or mm. whatever. But the, the Hercules book sadly did start to decline. Yeah. Uh, towards the end, which is probably why it got cancelled. Uh, but this is the best. Like, this is... Th this run of Hercules from Planet Hulk to just before it got shit is just some of the... It's just fun. It's fantastic. It's fun. I love me. I love it because it's 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 delving into the mythology and and giving a bit of a new fresh spin on the mythology. Like Ares oh. fucking hates. <laughs> He's so jealous of um, Hercules, right? Oh. Because everyone loves Hercules, even though Her in Ares' eyes, Hercules is a loser, uh -huh. right? He always fucks things up. He always makes the wrong decision. He's a buffoon, but people love him, oh. and he hates that. But he also hates Hercules because Hercules killed his birds. Yeah, he's got a real thing about that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking. Uh, he does it. I love this. There's this funny shit where he goes. Um, he says to Wonder Man because him and Wonder Man are going to try and apprehend Hercules, and Wonder Man and Hercules are fighting, and Hercules is like, "No, I won't come back." Ares said that you know he'll be in charge of. Yeah, Tony said that uh, Ares will be in charge, and he said he's going to humiliate me and all that. And Wonder Man's like, "Dude, you're such an idiot. That's not going to happen. Tony would never do that." You know, Ares is just fucking with you. Yeah. Uh, and then as they like sort of calming down, Ares with this machine gun that has Hydra bullets in it. Yes. Uh, which is uh, bullets with Hydra blood, nothing to do with hail Hydra. Um, yeah. And I, and I misunderstood that as well. Cause when he said Hydra, I thought he meant Hydra, the, um, the organization, but then it was like, yeah, no, it's actually, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, but, it's but, like but there's a funny thing in there where he goes, uh, uh, fellow Avenger Wonder Man, I've got this covered. And then um, uh, Wonder Man goes, no, it's fine. We're calming down. And he starts firing and he goes, I cannot hear you, <laughs> teammate, over the uh, me returning fire. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, like he just, he keeps trying to make it like he's the good guy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And he keeps yelling that shit. Uh, and and I, I just thought that was quite funny and all that sort of stuff. But it's really good. Like, yeah. if if no one's read the 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 the, the Hercules run um, that came out of World War Hulk. I, you are really missing out on a on a really fun, uh, fantastic buddy, um, uh, buddy comedy adventure. Yeah, and plenty of people turn up. Like a Black Widow turns up. There's plenty of little nods to the wider Marvel universe. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, later he has a bit of a team up with the uh, the champions. Yes. Um, um, uh, in another. Uh, oh, you may have read it already. If you went I have. to uh, I have. the thing, yeah, uh, Angel and all that turn up and all that. In stuff the complete stuff, collection, it kicks off with the the complete collection, uh, which is a great way to read this, by the way, because it gives a lot of context to, to what Rich is talking about. So, in the complete collection, it kicks off with the uh, with the champions like Ghost Rider, you know, Angel, whoever, Black Widow, and others. And they're fighting the Hulk, but then you find out, thinking the Hulk's rushing towards Washington to cause problems, but actually, he's trying to get uh, Jennifer She-Hulk to um, to hospital because she's got a burst appendix. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a misunderstanding, and then that, and Hercules is part of the champions, and then that ties into basically uh, why Hercules feels like he did the Hulk wrong. Um, he misjudged the Hulk, and then it's all about um him him basically trying to make up for the Hulk, and it's just interesting, and it's a lot of the stuff about the Hulk doesn't kill, um and why he doesn't kill, and how Banner instinctively knows not to kill. It's just interesting because I think one depiction of the Hulk 
is that the Hulk, when he's a savage Hulk, will kill and has caused lots of indiscriminate killing over the years and that's half the reason why he got kicked off the planet, whereas Amadeus Cho presents the counter-argument that no one ever died, which is, to me, not a great argument, but it's the argument and logic within this book and it works within that and it's just an interesting talking point, I guess. I don't know what the true story is. I don't know if it really matters, but for the, in essence, for this storyline... I think it's very interesting. Um, I like I like that because um, you could essentially argue both are right and both are wrong. Exactly, I agree. I agree. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's just fun. Like it's just like I I wouldn't have read four hundred pages in two nights if I wasn't really enjoying it. I mean, I'm giving it eight point five out of ten. I really think it was a very good read. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a, it's a nine out of ten for me. And yeah. and the one scene that I was talking about. Um, with uh with black widow mm. when she rocked up so at this point um aries has shot um uh, hercules full of uh hydro bullets yeah and it's basically uh sent him on a rampage right because mm. it's it's like it's burning you from the inside so like he's literally in so much pain that his brain is literally just frying mm. uh from like the poison and stuff and so he's starting to like imagine things and he's starting to relive um he's passed like at one point he thinks he's at the uh uh he, he's sacking troy because of them not giving the horses and then he sees natasha and then he thinks he's with the champions fighting Ares and all that sort of shit oh. and she convinces him to go to like this massive tank of flammable stuff right yeah. and when he gets there she shoots it it blows him up and and basically the the napalm of the fire basically burns the the um the venom out of him that was clever that yeah was, that but was i just clever. like uh, he goes i guess he goes the flames burned the poison right off of me just like the funeral pyre the last time you knew that she goes i never told you this but i was intimidated you but you when we were first on team so i learned a lot about you and all that sort of stuff um to try and to try and humanize you to make you less awe-inspiring mm. and then hercules just grins and goes did it work am i less awe-inspiring yeah. with like a big grin and she just goes like put some pants on <laughs> yeah no, it's cool. Like because I, he is a I love that. That's really good writing to me. Like I just I like I like that kind of writing. It's not dumb. No. It's not overly comedic. It's clever comedic. You know what I mean? I, I really like smart writing like that. It's it's getting the characters and it's taking yeah, a bit of time. That's the important characters. thing is it's always important to get the characters you're writing. Yeah. You sure. have to say what would the character say? How would the character react? Not how would I react. What would I say in a situation like this? So good it's point. very good. I, I really love Pat. I give Pack a pat on the back for his um, <laughs> uh, version of Hercules. You know, it is really good. Um, I, I've, I've very much enjoyed it. And I would actually say, if you're a Hulk fan and you, you know, maybe you've, you know, kind of like you've only read a little bit, maybe you've only read the Al Ewing stuff, you, treat yourself. Um, this Greg Pack run which includes this Hercules stuff, is well worth it. And honestly, I know Ray out there is a huge fan. Pick up these incredible Hercules complete collections for your Marvel shelf. You won't be disappointed, frankly. Um, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. So 8.5 from me, a 9 from Richard. Uh, next week, we're going to be doing Claw the Unconquered, um, the 2005-6 uh, six issue run by Chuck Dixon. Uh, he did for Wildstorm. Now, Claw the Unconquered originally started in the 70s um, with David Michelini, who you might know from Iron Man and Spider-Man. 
uh, and various other things. We've done a, some some of his stuff over the course of Signal. Uh, I, I believe he did the original 12-issue run, um, which was during the DC implosion before it got cancelled. He's basically DC's Conan with a claw, um, which I think is interesting. And we know Chuck loves his Conan and did a fantastic well, Conan. Hang on, hang on. Uh, he, I have a question for you. Would you say that he's their version of Conan or Cull? Well, I don't know. I haven't read enough of it, to be honest. But I, 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 I always saw Claw as more, of, uh, in, uh, more in line with, with Cull than Conan. Well, I'll have to no, answer that question. That could just be my, inter- my reading of it, which could be completely wrong. I mean, I've only read, like, I, I, I went back and read the first issue of the David Michelini one just to get a feel for the character. And it was very Conan-esque to me. But, I mean, Conan and Cull, uh, the big difference between the two of them is Cull's not interested in women, whereas Conan is a bit more bawdy. And Conan's kind of Cull without the philosophy you know, because because Cull is a bit more sort of a thinker, uh, you know. But yeah, yeah. well, again, that's my point. I always saw Claw as more serious and not yeah. as jovial as okay. um, Conan can be. So that's why I thought he was a bit more like Cull. But yeah, maybe it's just a mixture right. of both. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, we'll answer these questions next week. Now, Richard, I will say this: I am going to read the original seventies run as well, just to have some context for the discussion to flesh it out a bit. But all that's required to be read is the six issues of the Chuck Dixon. But I am going to read the other stuff as well. And I have got it if you want it. Um, but yeah, it's just, just, you know, just for by the by. Um, but yeah, and I've asked Chuck some questions and Chuck's answered some questions already, which I'll obviously read out um, next show. And it will be our final show of the year before we have a break. It'll be our first show with a sponsor. Um, it's going to be a good show. Um, look, if any of you can contribute on the Patreon, it'd be much appreciated. It all goes towards show running costs, patreon.com slash signal of doom. Check out our Judge Dread podcast, Dread or Dead, and check out the Legion Outpost, which is the Legion of Superheroes podcast. Uh, Rich, and obviously, check out the collective. You've got guys like Ray, and, Ray at Into the Night. You've got Brian Biggie at Inner Demons. You've got Connor on uh, Last Sons of the Dragon, Iron Fist podcast, and Last Sons of Krypton. There's lots of stuff going on, man. There's a lot of, lot of stuff going on 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 that on that board. You've got ghosts. I think they're called Ghost Spider Groupies. I think that's their name, and they're they're like a Spider-Man podcast. You've got Capes and Lunatics. A lot of information, a lot of cool things. Check out the collective. Um, they're all on Twitter and they're all on Facebook. Rich, anything you'd like to promote? No, 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 nothing. Um, my mind's just on getting through Christmas, mate. So yeah, I'm not. I'm not working on anything. I'm not doing anything. No, I'm literally just Grinding. mentally preparing for the next. Uh, because um, my my extended trading hours start tomorrow already. So oh Jesus, really? Yeah. Okay, all right. So it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Look, on that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night. Mm-hmm.